Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and I'm frothing on this one with my boy, RV, Ryan Villapoto. Now, RV is one of the modern icons of motocross and supercross, and we're super similar in age, and I followed his career from a relatively unknown amateur that would pop up on Vermodo vids all the way through to his incredible pro career. I've always wanted to have RV on the show, but I'm honestly glad that it took us as long as it has because we've actually got to hang out a bit over the last six months. He is a legend of a bloke and a really fun guy to hang around. And I, I really just hope that that comes across in this show. We talk about Ryan joining the Blue Crew, why Redheads have the most championships, if he retired too early, how his speed would stack up today. And even though it's kind of old news now, we talk about the Ando and Jet situation and what that means for our sport, as well as our upcoming trip to New Zealand to ride with 2007 teammate and rival Ben Townley. Speaking of New Zealand, that is the homeland of my number one health hack, AG1. I first used AG1 all the way back in 2012 because I wanted to have a bit of a one-stop shop when it came to my nutritional supplementation. I was honestly just sick of having to take handfuls of tablets each morning, and it really wasn't convenient when it comes to traveling, so that habit would kind of just always slip. Over 10 years later, I still choose to start every day with AG1. Whether I'm at home and scooping it out of my big green pouch, or on the road ripping open a travel pack, the first thing I do each and every morning is mix a scoop of AG1 into about 10 ounces of water before I get on with my day. I would even say it's gone beyond a habit now, and it's just, I guess, a part of my morning ritual. The main benefits for me are digestion, energy, and my skin, nail, and hair health. As far as my digestion goes, the probiotic effects make sure that I'm very consistent, one might say. And if you've ever had any issues with your gut, this reason alone is enough to consider AG1. As well as that, I feel less of a need to reach for a coffee or energy drink in the afternoons when I'm taking my AG1 daily. And I notice that I have thicker nails and everyone can obviously see the hair growth. If there's one product that I recommend to my friends, my family, and of course the Gypsy Gang to help elevate their health, it is AG1. And that's why I've been partnered with these guys for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash gypsytales. That's ag1.com slash gypsytales. We're also brought to you by the team at motorsport.com. If you're listening to this right now and you buy a computer, do me a favor, just jump on the website, have a bit of a scroll while I'm talking about it. It is actually incredible, the range that Motorsport has online and how fast and reliable their shipping is. I've been on a bit of a shopping spree lately as I'm deep into my Deegan two-stroke build and I've got everything from OEM parts, aftermarket parts, and I actually went nuts on tools. 
Motorsport.com is not only a one-stop shop for all your parts, accessories, and track essentials, but it's just the perfect ally to support your two-wheeled obsession. Right now, you can start off 2024 right with their Kickstart Your Riding Season promo live on the site, and that is offering huge savings on parts and gear, plus free shipping on orders over $79. A massive thank you to the team at motorsport.com for helping us bring our riding visions to life. You can do the same by heading to motorsport.com. We are also extremely excited to be partnered with Yamaha Motors for 2024, and we're going to be working with the Blue Crew to bring you some epic content in the form of special bike builds and some unique travel content as well. If you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that my favorite 250F on the market right now is the YZ250F, and I have a bit of a man crush on their 2024 450, and it was my pick for the 2024 Swap Moto Live shootout. To kickstart our partnership with Yamaha, we are working on a special two-stroke build-off against none other than the general, Brian Deegan, and that will be popping up on your YouTube homepage soon. Until then, you can head to yamahamotorsports.com to check out the full range of Yamaha products in 2024, and I highly recommend watching the Behind the Gate series that has been dropping every Friday after Supercross. Episode 4 just dropped today, and it follows West Coast 250 points leader Jordan Smith as he tries to win the A2 Triple Crown. These videos are awesome, and nobody is doing content like this, so make sure you check out that Behind the Gate series. Traditionally, gloves made by gear brands are a little bit of an afterthought, and they aren't always the most comfortable. That is why, for the last 10-plus years, I've been wearing the one glove brand, and that is fist handwear and i honestly don't see myself switching anytime soon fist main product is their glove which means that all of their r&d and team rider feedback goes directly into sculpting the nicest pair of gloves that money can buy i personally run the stocker if it's a little bit cooler and the breezer in the summer and i can say that they are the most reliable and comfortable gloves on the market you can try a pair for yourself for 15% off retail by using the code GYPSYGANG at fisthandwear.com. Now, before we get into this episode, the Gypsy 500 is sold out. Thank you to everybody who has entered the race. We're going to have 200 teams of legends showing up for the Fundurance event of a lifetime. I'm super stoked to see everyone there. And if you missed out on entering the 500, we're going to be running the Gypsy 50. That's right. On Friday night, before the race, we're going to be having a 50-lap pit bike race. We're going to have a Red Bull DJ rig there. We might even sneak in a cheeky live podcast with some of the badasses that are going to be racing the event on Saturday. So with that being said, even if you missed out on the actual 500 and you're in the area, make sure you just come. Join us Friday night for an epic night. Bring your pit bike. You can enter that Gypsy 50 race. Uh, and hang out as we have a really fun night before we kick off the first Gypsy 500 that next day. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Thank you to the members that are subscribed on our member site and got this Ryan Villapoto podcast just that little bit early. I love this chat with RV. He's a legend. I hope you guys enjoy. From the gang called Gypsy. Gang and they come and get Gypsy. Gang and they come and get Gypsy. Gang. I'm at a Gypsy. Yeah, so when I take my jacket off and if it makes noise or whatever, you'll cut that part out. Nah, nah, I mean, all right. Nah, nah. All right. Let, I'll just let it run. Let it roll, okay.
We just let it roll, baby. All right. Ron Villapoto is finally on Gypsy Tales. It took a while. We made it A happen. couple of years. He's not a big text reply <laughs> guy, which I respect that, to be honest. Yeah, I know. I, I do forget and uh, also, uh, you know, come back. Oh, man, I go through Instagram. He talked about doing a podcast. This was like, I don't know, three years ago. <laughs> but we're here now. We're here now. And everything happens for a reason. That's right. And uh, I'm pumped. You're a very highly requested guest. Oh, good. Nice. Thank you, guys. Which you would assume being one of the best writers of all time. Uh, yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I'm sure there's some people out there guys don't want to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. AP, not one of them apparently. <laughs> no, no. The cowboy? No, oh. he was, it was good. Uh, so let's just start this off with a weird question. Um, have you ever read any studies on redheads not feeling pain? No, I have not. So redheads account for two between 2 to 3% of the global population but have maybe 80% of the motocross and supercross championships. Yeah, they were a good record there. <laughs> I mean, myself, Ricky, yeah. uh, Timmy, yeah. Trey. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm missing a few, but yeah. I mean, we're good, I guess. <laughs> the, well, and I, we're also going extinct. <laughs> are you really? I don't know. Well, just get, get to breathing. I need to actually turn these other lights off, sorry. We're back, new studio things. Yeah, so there's there's a study that uh, basically they've done like once they could like map the the human like <laughs> genome, they basically found a gene in redheads, basically like super sensitive to light and temperature changes apparently. Okay. But then there's something in that gene that makes it so you you guys you people yes <laughs> us don't feel pain in the same way that quote unquote normal people feel. Yeah, I mean, does look, that I'll take does it. that re- like resonate with you um, at all? No, I think I am tougher than 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 some people. Um, it but makes I, sense, but I also think there's got a lot of people that are a lot tougher than I am. So um, I don't know. I mean, that's a good uh, a good stat to have next to us. Yeah, but I think I find it very strange, and I find it to relate to motocross quite well because it's not like you're in excruciating pain when no. you're racing motocross. Yeah. But there is a pain threshold that you would have to put to push through, like mid moto, three. I mean, I don't fucking know. I kind of suck. Yeah, the whole I mean, time, I think but. I think there's a lot of sport. You know, for instance, racing the Tour de France, right? Like, yeah. there's, there's some guys that just can push and keep going um, and push through that threshold. I think I was um, one of those guys that, yeah, I, on, I could most of the time do it. You know, I mean, there's there's lots of races out there though that I flat out got tired or you know something happened or whatever that was that was fully on me. Yeah, but I think it's just very interesting that motocross has these champions. Like, you think about Ricky, 10 years. You had, what, maybe like six, seven eight, years? Eight, eight years. Eight years of just winning basically Well, no, everything. eight years was my career, but yeah. Dude, that's actually a very short career, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, when you actually go back and look at it, yeah, from uh, 06. Yeah. Um, I did the last three of 05 Nationals. Um, and then 06 was my first year. Yeah. And then I was basically retired... You know, 15, I did three races, but 14 here in the States. Just show up, blow up. <laughs> and then was out. <laughs> Just peace. Get, you the, know? get the cash, get the girl, get out. Try to. Try to. It's, it, it, was, it was good, though. But uh, but short, when you really look at it on yeah. paper. Yeah. Do you think now about that, like that you could have gone longer? I think you've probably spoken about it a bit, but... Yeah, you just dipped pretty um, pretty quickly. Yeah, no, I think I think I could have done a, a you know a couple little things differently to to potentially 
prolong, you know, extend my career by, by maybe two years. I've always, and I've, uh, I've been vocal about it. Um, definitely switching teams. Yeah. Um, you know, new faces, go learn some, you know, learn a new team and vice versa, have the team learn me, but also switch at, at, a, at, at, you know, two or three years makes a huge difference, you know, in age and yeah. in maturity. So I would have went to a new team, let's say at 25 or 26 ish, yeah. you know, 20, 25, 24, yeah. you know, de- depending on when that would have happened. I think that's, that's way different than, than staying where I was from basically, you know, team green and then uh pc for three and then cowie all those people you know basically watched me grow up so yeah. the relationship a little bit different you know yeah. no matter as i come up and i'm you know the top dog on the team they still look at me and i don't you know even big b now the truck driver there like we have that relationship yeah. Of, yeah. like i'm the kid and he's he's the adult um in in uh so going to a new team at 25 i think would have would yeah. that mean your mentality would have just been different your oh, maturity massive and it's funny you say that like so the two dudes that work for me they've worked for me since they were in high school and then they've never had any other jobs like they just worked for me after school and then i was like cool when you finish school you got a full-time job here and the relationship between them and then other employees that work for me that that wasn't the case yeah so different so much more professional so like there's a completely different vibe like i can just fucking rinse those two mm-hmm. like they're my kids in a sense but then they kind of it's just a different dynamic and you accumulate a lot of baggage over those years and then when you talk about going to a new team at like 24 25 like think about sexton now he he would have had a lot of baggage at honda mm. just the fights that you know, the blow-ups that you kind of stay in the back of your mind and the shitty things that might have been said that you just, you kind of don't forget. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. it's like, as you get older, I'm sure he's going to KTM and there's mental notes like, I can't talk like that. I can't say these things. Like maybe try and just treat things a little bit differently. And it's like, would allow the relationship to flourish in a different kind of way yeah yeah different just a uh, different angle call it like i said those are when like same thing he was at honda for a very long time and a lot of those guys he he was young coming up 16 17 18 you know those 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 early years and that's how it was for me at cowie so i think you know switching at at, at, you know mid-20s there i think that right there would have been also uh would have helped, I think, but also who would who would have, who would have said I would have could have kept going on a different you know I know I could have won on a different manufacturer for sure, but could I have done four in a row? You yeah, know, learning a new team, they got to learn you. You have to learn the new motorcycle. There's a lot of new and changes thing you know. So would I've went four in a row? You yeah. know, if I would have potentially changed in 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 you know that timeline. Yeah, and so Weege brought this up on the show the other day. I don't know whether you saw the clip. I've never watched it. the show, but I did see the hot take clips that, that were out there. Yeah, um, so he he made a really good point, and everyone was so quick to blame Alden. Yes. Because you could see... I sent it to Alden. Oh, did you? Yeah. What was his take on that? Um, he, he really liked it. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, yeah. Cause, because we've had that talk, you know, um, of, you know, when things were... Yeah, when he basically was or was getting blamed for everything, you know, these guys retiring or you know, get the burnout and all this other stuff. Yes. Have, have things changed and have, have, you know, has the training changed? Yes. And I know he's changed with that, but it comes down to, you know, living inside, um, winning four championships in a row. Yeah. Like I did MC, you know, Ricky, all Dunge, you know, 
all those guys going back to back, that's the really hard part. And that's mm. what we don't we don't have currently, you know, and and, and years consecutive years because that's the that's 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 the hard part. Yeah. And man, that's why wage is one of the best. Like that's why wage is the best in my opinion because that take is so good. It's I, I, so wise it's and nice so to smart. See that out, you know, out there um not coming from like myself or yeah. um and maybe in an interview I wouldn't have been able to articulate it. Yeah, and portray way. that and, yeah. and say those things that way, you know. But now when he he hit the the nail on the head in my opinion. Um I mean, dude, you get so fit on on the road bike and and in the gym and and on the motorcycle like you and we don't yes we ride a lot but like that's not the bur that wasn't really necessarily the burnout part that's just like you know yeah sure you get burnout on, on on man i don't want to get up and ride my road bike today or whatever but adding the racing on every single weekend that's the hard part and then being in it for 17 rounds for mm. for a championship yeah you yeah know? it's just that so. the the mental because, uh, fuck, the crowd's going to go wild here. Like, jiu-jitsu is that every day there's, like, this ego battle that you have to win with yourself just to step in the door. Mm -hmm. And it's it gets, that's the thing. Like, physically it sucks, but physically you adapt. But mentally it's almost the same battle every, like, I drove to training last night, palms are all sweaty, I'm, like, a little bit anxious. I'm, like, it's just... That's the thing that if you could get rid of that, you'd be it would just be like a breeze to show up. So that's just a loser dude going to a local jiu-jitsu club. So like just imagine the the pressure, the money that's on the line, the risks that you have to take that you might not want to take. There's just so many layers of complexity mm -hmm. that are added onto this extreme physical challenge that you have to put yourself through every fucking weekend and it's against people that you've known since you're a kid like there's so much that goes into it that i just i don't think people really fully grasp yeah i know it's definitely it, it it is you know from the outside looking in it looks pretty simple yes we train yeah. we ride we fly to the races and we and you know you race and, and you come back and you, and you do that all over every every single week um but yeah going down onto the floor you know every you know i think um, Levi, Levi just asked me in the truck, um, at PC, he's like, Hey, did you ever like not get nervous? Like, you know, going to the line? And I'm like, no, dude, it never goes away. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I had, you know, at the time or, you know, still, I still think is, was one of the best trainers out there. I had Eldon and we, we were so ready. Um, and still you go down and like, well, what's James been doing? Yeah. What's Chad? How good is Chad? Who's going to show up tonight? You know, where's where's this guy at? You know, there was for me it was two or three guys. It was Chad, James, and and Dunge. Um, you know, you still second guess and question if you're even, you know, if you're good enough. I think where the good guys can, you know, where 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 the good guys leave the rest of them on the gate is when the when it when you do line up on the gate and gate drops, like the good guys don't think of. I mean, literally, you go blank. Yeah, there's you're not thinking of anything. Other than you're just you're basing your racing off reactions and 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 um, repetition that you've done for so so long, you know. When you start to really try to think, then I think that's the that's where you leave those guys on the gate. Uh, do and do you think <clears throat> like so? There's a lot of people would compare you and Weimar, same team, same trainer, same program, <clears throat> different results, and obviously like it's not apples to apples, but. 
people would famously say like mentally he just wasn't the same on race day as what Ryan was. Like, can you see stuff in him or other teammates or like where you go, okay, yeah, that's where I am different. Like you can, you know that he's thinking through the race or something like, do you have any comparison or? Mm, no, I mean, I think, yeah. Look, I worked out with Jake and we rode road bikes and, and all those things. And there was certain, <clears throat> you know, there was certain times and that he could be, you know, maybe better in the gym or better on this or better on that or whatever. But there was, I always knew that I, you know, for I'm using him as him as an exact example, like where I could break him and where I couldn't, you know, in certain days in the gym or certain things that were, that were like tough for him, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think he probably could see my weak points too. You know, when you're around somebody for so long and we train every day, it's like, oh, I, he's, he's, he's hating life right now or, yeah, and vice yeah. versa. He's like, you know, he's been around me and, and maybe I don't have as many chinks in the armor as he does, but like, he's like, RV hates this, you know, like he can't stand going to going to the gym or doing this or doing this workout or whatever. So you see all those, all those, um, you know, chinks for sure. Yeah. Do, do you think Alden got a bad rap over those few years? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, <clears throat> I think he, he definitely got a bad rap. I, I, uh, you know everything that I ever did with Eldon was yeah was it tough yeah it was it was tough but what isn't in life you know, like, it's tough, supposed though, to be tough right? like yeah. you know like going you know working your desk job for thirty years is tough you know um, it's just tough in <clears throat> in a different timeline you yeah. know and it may not be as tough but over thirty years it's hard yeah you know or whatever like ours is you know very intense and short yeah yeah because it, it really did set a light bulb off when Wage said that because I was like man that is the factor like. The pressure of, like, I could just see a world where you didn't want to win, but you just wanted to not lose. And that's so different, th the mentality of, like, if you've, you've won four in a row, the writing's on the wall that you can win, and then it, the project becomes, it stops becoming like, oh, I'm trying to win this thing. It's now becomes I'm trying to not lose. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's a way heavier cross to bear in a sense. Yeah, I think so for sure. No, I you know, when you're when you're pushing forward, you know, it's different. But when you're when you're, you know, playing defense almost, it you know, it, it definitely is a different and I don't know why we play, you know, like and I'm speaking for myself, I don't know why I played that position more of the defense. Like, um it's just I think something that you know, after a while, you I, for sure. I know if I would have lost maybe year two or three mm. or whatever, um, or that you know the fourth one, potentially. I don't know about the fourth one because my head was pretty far out already of of being done. You know, deciding to retire. But if I would have you know not done two or three, potentially that could have changed the trajectory of 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 my racing career maybe yeah. a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, and I think the bike change is massive too because it does set up a whole new set of kind of parameters that and things that you've got to like work on. And I guess like when Eli switched to Yamaha, that expectation of just like going on winning probably wasn't there in the same way, even though that's... I think the strategy is different. Like, hey, we're new bike, new team. We got to start off, you know, not slow, but like, you know, let's be in this championship fight at the very end instead yeah. of like, you know, coming into Anaheim one, like, oh, here it goes again. We, They're all chasing after me. 
you know, and I and it still they were still chasing after him when he changed. But from his yeah. his mind, yeah. he's like, hey, this is a long series. I need to figure this motorcycle out or figure the team out. Let's you know, we we need to get our feet wet first before we go out and just blow the doors off everybody. Yeah, you know, and if it happens right away, great. If it doesn't, I'm here for the long haul. So it's a, a different way of approaching. Yeah, the like race. a different way of playing the same game mm-hmm. almost, and it just is like a completely fresh take on the same game in a sense. Mm-hmm. So, did you ever have any offers of teams and like to stay? Um, I had a, an offer from Honda. Um, it was you know money, and it ended up not working out because the money was just too far off. But yeah. it was. Um, I don't know if they didn't think I would actually leave or what, but it was that pretty much that was it. I l- stayed at Cowie because they were really good to me too. There wasn't anything better. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the bike probably plays a bit into it in a sense too because I was watching, I just was watching highlights of like your career highlights and that bike looked from year to year to year, to, it just looked very set up for you. Like steered with the rear wheel like that style like your style the style of the bike and it seemed like that style stayed with cowie for a really long time like the way that they like to set up the motorcycle too yeah so i jumped on it after james so i came off of it and got to ride james's you know how was that um i was super new obviously coming from a lights bike and and coming up um Dude, I, I jumped on it. Yes, I made changes. When I did the first like test ride on the bike, when I was still lights, I got to ride the 450. Um, they set it up, you know, with my bars and and similar suspension ish. Different, you know, guy did it obviously and prepped it, but uh, I was able to just jump on it. And it felt like my 250. So, but that being said, um, if you were to take the sh- a showroom bike off the floor, like we had to change a lot on that motorcycle too. Um, it was just the trait. James had it kind of low, also low, you know, stiff forks, low in the rear. Yeah. Subframe was always cut. Um, we're both not the biggest guys. So when I came on, it was the same thing. We'd cut the subframe. We had to do a lot of things to get it because it was really stink, but really high in the rear. It was yeah. like unrideable for me. In um, like stock form. In stock form, yeah. So we had to do a lot of, you know, little things. Nothing crazy, but like cutting the subframe, shorten the shock shaft by like one mil. Um, to get it to where we wanted it. Um, I mean, yeah, Jake didn't like that bike. Really? Yeah. He said it was the worst bike he ever rode. Damn. Yeah, that. I mean, I haven't spent that much time on Cowies. I had one Cowie too. Now, this is obviously a long, long time ago. And it's a factory bike too. Yeah. Like, they're very different. But, yeah, I had one Cowie, broke my wrist on it, and then I... I it was I moved to a cold climate, first time ever. I'd, like, basically grew up in Florida, moved to this place that's, like, fucking minnesota in the winter kind of thing didn't know that you had to warm a bike up <laughs> the way that you did just ball oh, broken yeah. wrist and then literally the same thing happened like my second ride back broken collarbone so i, I just it was like Sold a, it. no it was a media bike i just left it in a dude shed i didn't even know what ended up happening to it but perfect ne- never really never really was a uh, a cowie guy yeah it was it was a like look i don't have anything else to base it off of yeah. so i didn't ever ride anything else um but Jake went on after that to ride multiple manufacturers, yeah. you know, um, Kenny's 450 or, you know, Saquon when, when it was Saquon and rode that, I think the MCR Honda, um, a Cowie that, that Mitch built. Um, and you know, he had already said he, he, he has always said that that thing was by far the worst out of those. Um, so interesting to, to hear about that because 
Yeah, I imagine I, if I, you were on something. Well, else. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, you yeah. know, you have to always wonder, like, why would it would it would it have been better? I, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda type thing. You know, I look back and it was it was fine. I made it work. Yeah, but I could make it work. Jake could not make that bike work. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like your style, whether it. it, it you just don't know whether the cart was before the horse, you know, like you were on PC, arguably the best yeah, 250 sure. ever, that era yep. of 250s. Like even BT says it was basically legal cheating. Yep. And then you go from that to the 450 and you've kind of got like this lineage of dudes winning, like James was going insanely fast on it. And But yeah, you just always had that like steer with the rear wheel, squatted in the rear, like that seemed to the way that bike looked it's funny you say that yes and no i mean um when i did i think us open a few years ago i was starting to ride at the yamaha test track on on the 450 and um shane drew i think was there they were doing some testing and he's like well i thought you could only ride a cowie like steering from the rear and i said to me it doesn't matter what i would ride that by any of any, the bikes the same way yeah okay i would that's it, that's what i believe and why do i don't have a lot of time or no time on anything else but coming from the Cowie, jumping on the Yamaha, he's like, I didn't know you could, you know. Ride a Yamaha like I didn't that. think you'd ride it like that. Or I thought that was only a Cowie thing. You know, I, I think I'd ride them all the same. And why why was that your style? Is that just how you grew up? I don't know. I, I, I'm okay with, I, I, I enjoy, not enjoy, but like I'm, I, I'm comfortable sliding, mm. you know. Um, you know, I, I, I do enjoy every now and then to go to do a little flat track and stuff. Like that stuff's fun. Um, but yeah, I... You know, no idea. That's just the way that you can. You know, because our super minis weren't fast like they are today. You know, yeah. like our mini bikes were slow. So it's not like you had big power and you're sliding around and you're, you know, you're used to doing that. Yeah. That's one thing I noticed just being here and on the practice tracks before doing World Vets. Guys here, just two wheel drift. And like Glen Helen, especially, you kind of like need to do that. Yeah. But that's the one thing I noticed. Just your yeah, average dude that rides good here. Just can slide just a little bit, sliding yeah. everywhere, and yep. it's very. I think too, the tracks are way more open and fast here as well. I think it kind of sets up like in Europe, you don't have that. In, it's way hard. In it, Oz, you don't no. have that. Like the dirt's not. It's almost like the dirt's not set up for it. Even uh, in other places, like it's a very unique riding style that Americans have. You think? I think, well, I think so. Like, just I mean, the, it's much different than Europe for sure. It's to me, it's just crazy intensity. I mean, maybe I've never looked at like I'm looking at all the you know, I just the broadcast guys, not you know, going out on the Thursday and looking at, uh, yeah, true, uh, dissecting why you know, this geez, that guy's sliding around the corner too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think even like Loretta's, right? Like, this is my first time going to Loretta's and. I had a bit of a like light bulb moment. You hear anyone that comes over to America, they're like, bro, you just the first few laps of intensity mm. is unmatched anywhere yeah. in the world as it is in America. I agree right? with that. And so, you know why, bro? Fucking Loretta's. I could not believe how fucked up the track got in practice day one at Loretta's. Oh, you rode I, that day. Yeah. I was like, bro, cut some lines in. Like, you go to Europe, right? Dude, there's that many bikes, that many classes. And they're all full send from the second the wheels touch the track. Full send. And I could not believe it. Like, when I went and did some testing for Stark, <laughs> and Tortelli basically was like, uh, just wait, please. Nobody on the track. And he just cut three ruts 
into every corner. Really? Oh, dude. By the time <laughs> I touched the track, it was primo. Like just the nicest ruts. In, and it stayed good all day, even when the dirt went to shit. Here, bro, just no chance. Like, yeah, no, Loretta's is gnarly. Full send from the second the wheels touched again. And that's, it's like cultural. You know, that that follows through from when you're on a 65 or 50 at Loretta's. And I think it comes through. from Supercross, you know, that, you know, all these kids and parents watching, you know, like, dude, look how look how hard they go out of the gate, you know, and, you know, then they go to the practice track or go to Loretta's and let's do what those do what they do on TV, you know. So that's kind of where, you know, I think it, it there's so much, uh, you know, information accessible now yeah. that you're seeing all of that, you know, be able to. To, to you know get all the way down to the the very bottom of amateurs yeah do you ever like you went to Loretta's this year when you mm-hmm. watch those kids do you ever think about comparison to yourself at their age and like what you couldn't do you, even compare what do you see <clears throat> you couldn't even compare really that gnarly so I always say I think 2003 I did US Open I just told this to somebody the other day um, I did US Open on a YZ85 and um, we got the chance to go out on onto the Yamaha track, test track up on the hill. And um, I didn't even jump the triple. And back then they were still 60, 62 feet, you know. I didn't even jump the triple. Um, on an 80. On, a, on an 85 back then. So and then you go to like Charlotte, for example. <laughs> we had the 65. We had three 65s jump the, the, the 72 foot triple or 75, whatever the hell it is. It's longer than it used to be. And you had a 65 kid jump it. That's 10, 11 year old kid. Uh, so compare, you can't even, you can't even compare that, you know, where the AM kids are now com- compared to when like myself and Alessi and, and uh, Chisholm and, and, you know, all those, you know, older, I guess, older guys now, yeah. you know, different era completely. But you think about even what like a company like Verb did, like Verb Moto, every national, every like every AMA national, every AM national. So think about all the kids that grew up watching people send. And like you wouldn't, I'm sure, like did you have much to watch when you were a kid? No, I mean it was, I mean, it was VCR, you know, so you'd yeah. have to, you know, there was no record or anything. When I went, you know, my kid's age now, seven years old, you know, my kids can get on YouTube or, you know, and they're always watching, you know, moto stuff or something like that, you know, and – but yeah, no, if it was, if you didn't watch what was live on, like, uh, what was it? Um, I think Speed. Yeah. Um, or ESPN at the time, you know, you could watch, obviously it was a day later too. It was always the next day. Yeah. But yeah, you had to record it of some sort on a VCR, you know, so that, yeah, it wasn't accessible like it is today. And think about like watching James Scrub, but the first, like the day it happens, instead of it just being like the Garth Milan iconic photo and then having to like reverse engineer in your head what the fuck was actually going on. It's on Instagram. And I think that's why you've seen the evolution of our sport, you know, really speed up a lot in the last, you know, I'd say 10 years, you know, like. And you think it has? I think think from the amateur, not our our professional guys. um, Yes, I think we've all gotten better, but on, on, you know, a lot slower and micro, a lot smaller levels. Like, yeah. Because it's hard to make I can remember going to Loretta's, you know, Loretta's, and it was like, you know, I would say like we didn't even know how to pack a gate. 
You know what I mean? And now if like even when I left Loretta's, like we wouldn't. It, it still wasn't like how the how the how the big the top guys were doing the pro guys, you know. Like, um, I go to Loretta's now, and most of the time, nine times out of ten, I can pick ten gates out. Like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy, you know, it's it's very accessible now. You know, there's so much information that you can get. Where we were learning it, you know, getting it real from time. Lance Smale or you know Jay, you know some of these guys that raced, you know, local pro and that didn't, you know, went in and raced some stuff, you know, that qualified for three supercrosses or whatever until you, you know, I guess get, you know, eventually you work your way up. So that's why I think it was so much, it was harder then than it is now. It's still unbelievably hard. Like I'm dealing with it now with my kids. Yeah. You know, finding places to ride at their levels right now because they're not, I I don't, I won't put them on a big track with by themselves. Right. So just finding places to ride and, you know, going through that, the process of all what my parents did and, and the parents today that are doing, it's, it's very hard, but I think, you know, getting them to learn and you know, being able to watch things. A lot of these kids learn by watching. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why you see a 50 kid being able to scrub now. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's so... It's video games and, and, and watching, you know, tons of videos of how they're doing it when they're leaning the bike over. You know, it's, it's like, you know, and some of these kids, let's be honest, they live on YouTube. Yeah. Right? Live on YouTube or live on Instagram. Yeah. At a very young age, which I don't, I don't believe in, but... You know, when it comes to this, when it comes to things, them looking at yeah. you know information, how to scrub, how to do this, you know, whatever. Watch just watching it, just the sick videos that are out there. I think that really helps. Yeah, big. It's funny, like if when you go into other sports, like golf, for example, the average Joe, if you really want to get good at golf, there is you can get good at golf so quick and so easily through. Like if you study hard and put in like a lot of effort and a lot, obviously like you have to put time into it as well, but it's like the information is a cheat code and like jujitsu is another great example. Like I started that six, six years ago, didn't know shit about other than just like watching stuff off the UFC. And I just went full nerd mode for two years and now I can go to any gym in the world. Yeah. And it's, I just, I know so much about that's well, like it's 10 just like years worth of actual just being in a gym getting bashed for, for 10 years like it would take 10 years of real real world training which is what you had to do back in the day to oppose opposed to two years of living on the internet reading and also doing it repetition and, and, and doing it yeah like you know just to videos right of how-to videos you can go on youtube now and find you know a um, hundred decent guys, local pros or whatever. There's, there's, you can get them on Instagram, wherever you want to get them. You might have to pay for them, a small amount, whatever. But like I was, we would buy, I remember my dad bought Gary Simics. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the tapes or, yep. yeah, I think it was Simics. Yeah. Tapes on, you know, like VCR tapes, you know, that's where you, you know, got your information. It wasn't like, hey, look, pull that video up again and watch what he does there. Yeah. But it's exactly what you said. You still have to do the work. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just, it's not a substitute. And I didn't really do the work because, you know, they weren't filmed cool. It wasn't, it was, yeah. like, it was like really doing school, yeah. you know, like <laughs> yeah. the way it was filmed. It wasn't like some, you know, awesome edit, badass edit of, you know, where you can watch where the guy's feet are and it's got good music put to it. And it's, in, it, you know, it's captivating. Yeah. This was like literally sit down and we're going to do school. Well, that's my wife's, right? She, she trains and I tell her all the time. I'm like, if you want to get better, 
just sit down and watch this video for eight hours. It is so fucking boring and you'll want to kill yourself, but I guarantee you that it's like worth a year, a year's worth of trading. Yeah. But it's just, it's, you just have to like literally do the work, but the information's out there. And I think that's probably one of the cool things about Moto is like, you can watch old races. Like it's so entertaining to watch while you're studying. So it's mm -hmm. actually a pretty good sport in yeah. that sense. You know? Yeah. And you can watch things multiple times, Yeah, you know, cause you're going to catch, pick something up different, you know, the third time watching something versus the first. Yeah. And you could see at Loretta's this year, like I was calling it just the Jet Lawrence effect. Like every kid kind of looked like Jet Lawrence and it was in August real time to him getting on a 450. Mm -hmm. Like you, the, the adaption that was taking place was like weekend to weekend. Like people would see Jet jumping over a corner in some braking bumps and just every single rider was trying to do to it. To do it, yeah. And it's yeah. like that just week to week, the sport is evolving that fast. Totally. Yeah, information there's so much information out there. Why why do you think it's a bit slower in the pro ranks? Um I mean, because they're not probably trying to, you know, like these kids are trying to be like somebody, you know, do mm. a jet, be like jet, you know. So they're very receptive to it. I don't, you know, I, it's just like saying, "Hey, I'll use Justin for example, like stop, rep, you know, be, get get off the rev limiter, you mm. know, like I don't know. I believe he still could to, could do that but um you know it's a lot of work to do that too to change you know, he's yeah. 30 years old you yeah. know he's he's um you know been in the in the game for a long time so are we going to change it now it's worked this this long yeah um i do think guys like you know chase watching jet you know things like that i think that um you know yeah you would think just follow jet but um you know I don't know. I don't know why it's, you know, and I think that does happen. You see Jet, you know, um, or uh, Chase, you know, and some guys trying to adapt, trying to adapt, you know, yeah. But, you know, you can only, I think at that speed and at that level, yeah, you can only adapt little by little, you know, because they're already on the edge. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, so and you can't make these huge changes. Oh, go three lines over here. You know, they're coming in the turn at 45 where, yeah, if you were coming in at 15, you could... Oh, okay, I'm gonna go over three lines. You know, um, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's why, just because of the speeds, and it's very hard to change that. You know. Yeah, and I think too, like Levi's reasoning to leave Star. Like I asked him at the press conference today, one, and he was like, "I just kind of wanted to be more on my own program." I think nowadays, when you get to a pro level, it seems almost like the development stops and you just get into there's a routine that you have to get into and a lot of these teams now like if you go to Alden's I mean you could I think the Alden program was in its infancy with you essentially it was still like main guy b guy yes kind of, kind of which yep, that's what it was and that's probably the move you know like it's it's way more homogenized now which better facilities more track like it's a business Alden is a business owner and I'd think a lot of people don't understand that at, yeah, at no. times too you yeah know? no he's it's a, it's a full business when huge business huge overheads and when like you said when it, when it was me it was it was me and eldon and it was he would eldon was training me he was training jake and he, we had ac and then if you know we had who was blake baggett also yeah he was he <laughs> yeah. was on a super mini at the time you know so he basically i wouldn't even he did not train he just adam come along you yeah, know like yeah at the at the start 
as it got older, then it changed, right? But it was literally us little three. Now it's a full business. You know, that was a personal business, uh, just, you know, personal relationship business, you know. Now what he has now is 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 a big, you know, you got you got to answer to people. There's yeah. politics involved. You know, back <laughs> here, there's no politics. It was very simple. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think now it's like, okay, there's eight dudes. We got to be here at eight for the bike ride. Everything changes. You're here, yeah, it, you're literally on a schedule. And that schedule is demanding as fuck. And there probably isn't much time to go you know what i'm gonna go and hop breaking bumps in a rough section for 45 minutes mm -hmm. like that ain't how the shit works at that level star racing they they're like an nfl team it's actually it's insane and awesome at the same time it's like a it's like a social experiment in the sport right now where they've got like 25 dudes and they're just like, everyone's on a stopwatch. It's all the same, like bang, bang, just scrimmage, scrimmage, scrimmage. Yeah. scrimmage. There's like a dude with a whistle, you know? And that's great for some people. Like, I think the Deegs loves that shit because he gets the chance to be the man every single day and like get those mental wins and get that. Like, I feel like he builds his confidence there. But there's almost a problem in that because if you've got seven dudes that are scrimmaging every day and one dude wins every single day, then it's like great for the dude that's winning and everyone else is almost like a, a like a Yuki, like a training, just a, train, a training get, dummy for like the dude that's winning. Eventually they get over it, yeah. And I think that's what you saw with Levi where he's like, you know what, fuck all this. Like I actually don't really like this way of living and training. And how do you make those gains? You know, like you would expect to stay a student of the sport forever and i think that's why jet and hunter are so good is because they've got the dog pound they've got their own facility they got their dad that's like extremely focused on the technical aspect and extremely focused on doing things right all mm -hmm. the time and it's less of just like a meat grinder and less of an nfl team vibe you know yeah, no, I and I think there's there's times that you kind of need that both that you know that's let's use that star the star model um, of having it like that. But yes, I I do think there's there's a time where that kind of stops, and then you 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 go to the your next stage. You know, little when you get a little more mature, like as these younger kids, like a Deegan, for example. Like, yes, I think that's good for him to have all those guys keep him on his toes. You know, um, and at that age, it's probably still pretty fun. But once you start getting up a little bit older, you know, like I, Levi's 22, like, yeah, he probably doesn't want to live on that, you know, like that, that regiment, that schedule. Not that he's not going to work out, yeah. just he doesn't want, you know, hey, we got eight other guys, we got to be at the gym at two o'clock. Yeah. Well, he's like, well, maybe I'm going to go get lunch, you know, instead. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you have eight guys like that, it's very hard. You can't just, then you can't cater to one. But back to was Eldon, I'd be like, no, Eldon, you know, I'd... You know, I got to run an errand. All right, well, we're doing gym. We'll change it to four o'clock, you know, or whatever. It's very, it's very flexible with, yeah. with how it, you know, how Eldon had it set up or, you know, but like Eldon has it set up now and how Stars has it set up. Yeah, that's, it's more of the um, cookie cutter. And I think it's really good for those guys. But eventually you got to kind of, I think you branch away from that. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Because it, at, it, or at least have, if you want this, if you still want that same style, not with eight guys. Yeah. Once you start getting up older, you know, and, and yeah. in the four fifty class, you know, you know, you know, you know, you don't want to be in high school forever. <laughs> yeah. Know, essentially. Yeah, and it, it's just that gym mentality where every day, like, because it gets 
the the one thing that this is one reason why I never fucking work for anyone in my life, right? I just if I don't want to be around you, I ain't gonna be around you. Yeah. And whether you're my boss or my coworker, like I've just set my life up to where I'm around the people I want to be around. I interview the people I want to interview. Of my friends, the people I want. Everyone else, <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. I'm, I'm not interested in being around you. No one can make me. Yeah. And that's not the reality of like being a 250 rider on Star <laughs> Yamaha. Not or, right now. You know? And it's like, that's a that's a good thing and a bad thing. Like maybe it's not the best to have that much flexibility in your life where you never at, have to deal with someone well, you that, don't you like. Know, at that, t- at that time in their life, right. Yeah. At that, you know, in that current situation, I think structure is better, um, early, yeah. you know? So I think that's good, but, but, um, and, and it works. We know it works. Keeping, keeping, staying on these guys, you know, and, and, and staying on the, the, the kids, you know, cause the lights class, once you can get them later on and they can get them somewhat established, like, and then they can kind of, you know, then they get older and, they, you know, they, they know the program. Yeah. Did you uh, did you hear any of the, the rumors about a, a top rider testing at Star in the off-season and I'm, like, closing down the facility? Did you hear I didn't know. Uh, I asked uh, Jeremy at the press conference and he was very <laughs> tight-lipped about it. He's like, he's like, oh, we don't have to shut down our facility. It's private. I'm like, mm, well... There's a lot of mechanics that got told not to come to work between uh, specific days. So, I mean, I would consider that being shut, sh- down. shut down. But, hey, it's all good. But that is like, so you didn't hear any of it. I didn't hear anything about that. This uh, this last, like. Yeah, like this off season, which was, it seems crazy, but like a top rider went and tested there that was like already signed to another. Hmm. Yeah, so, but. That shows they don't give a fuck. Like, and they are so, not desperate to win, but like gnarly about the best dudes. We're going to, like, we probably haven't, If like, let's say that's true. And it was a top tier rider that was already signed that went to another place to test the bike. Like, test, yeah. That is just a gangster <laughs> way to go about this like I mean, have we yeah. seen that like no that's pretty aggressive and yeah. I, I like it yeah i mean even coop's deal was was aggressive was you know kind <laughs> yeah. of you know that really hadn't necessarily happened like that i'm sure maybe one other time but not at this current era yeah um you know switching or you know being not being mutually agreed upon and then you know kind of mid outdoors and then you know end up on ktm so that paid off for Coop massively. Yeah, he's crushing it. Like, yeah, you know, and and just it's that perfect, you know, moving to the next team. And I also think Coop's had a couple, you know, he's had he's struggled the last couple of years. So, and I think he's got it. He's also changed his mentality. He's his head's in it more, I yeah. believe. Yeah, and also he's got a new team, new you know, new surroundings. The it's that baggage, right? You know, like the baggage of being, yeah, and you having the weirdness in relationships that sometimes that stuff is—it's just like being with a chick. Like some, <laughs> sometimes you get with a chick and she just—it's like a small thing, and you just—you're like, I'm fucking done. Yeah, like it's gone. The feeling's gone. Yeah, yeah. you're great. I can't get it back. I'm sorry. I'm bad. like that's real. Peace. Yeah, like sorry, but let's you take that. You you can have the TV and the couch. I'm keeping the dog. Let's do our thing. And yep. You just get to that point with people, you know. But crazy the payoff 
for him, or I think already. Like I think already it's paid off pretty massive for him. I mean, he's he hasn't started a season like this in in I, I didn't know, about ex- ever. I didn't expect it. You know, I, I wasn't expecting it to come out like that. No, so um, that's why I said I think him. Yes, he's on a new bike. Yes, he's on a new team or not a new team, but back on back at a team that's familiar with him. Um, but I think he's his head's actually in this too. Mm. You know, not that it wasn't before. You know, when he struggled. You know, the last two years, but. He wants to really win, you know. Yeah. He's fighting for the wins. Yeah. Let alone if it comes to him, he takes it. But if it really gets too, you know, tough, you know, that's when I think that's what that's what I see the difference in. Yeah, and even in the press conference the other day, like he just there was an energy about him that I was like, fuck, <laughs> all right, you know. And even at the end, everyone was wrapping up, and he just grabbed the mic and he was like, I want to say this about AP and that. I don't know. There's just like a level of energy that it takes to be that guy Mm -hmm. in a sense, you know, like it's so, it was 10 o'clock at night. They just did a mud race. They were soaking wet. Like it's literally just still had wet muddy boots on. And it's like, you could want to just piece out from that situation so quickly, which is what most, like most people just don't forever. Most of the time that's what it is. Yeah. And I don't know. It was just to, to do that, to say that, it just seemed like a very, like a big brothery type of, like a dude that's very comfortable yep. in his skin, wants to be there, is there for the right reasons, knows the reasons that he's there. And I, I don't know. It was That was like a small thing, but I feel like it kind of just spoke volumes about like him as a dude right now. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of, I kind of liked it. Yeah, no, I, I, I saw when he was, he congratulated um, AP. So that, that was cool, you know, um, and then, you know the AP stories, but um, no, I think I I haven't seen him. You know, like I said, like this. So I he's I think he's in in it for the long haul. Mm. And riding good. Yeah, he's you know starting off like he like you know he was he was quick. He had you know he was spunky. Mm. Um, and yeah, we and we have had two two mud races, right? So we, really, like the season's almost like it hasn't even it's, it hasn't it's started. Weird, you know, eh? like it, it's it's the you know yeah we had a great Anaheim one. Um, but Anaheim one is always Anaheim one. Guys don't really always show up yeah. like they normally are in the season. Yo, Eli didn't even race it. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a very good finish there. But um, but yeah, it's it. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be good. Yeah, he's gonna be good all year. I I can't believe like the Paris Coupe to the A one Coupe. And there's everyone was saying he lost like 25 pounds like a month before the series. Like he just went, all right, I'm fucking ready. Let's like, all right, let's go. Just straight Kenny Power shit. <laughs> just want yeah. first pitches in a month. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't get to see a lot of the the Paris stuff, but yeah, he looked. A, I'd say eight ten. You know, he definitely looks. He looks better, and he's and he's he just looks like he's ready to race all season. Mentality's changed, in my opinion. His his head is his head is more in this. He wants to win this. What do you think? Like, if you had to speculate on where he was and where he is now, and like the factors, like if you put yourself in his mindset, I don't. I don't really know. I don't know Coop that well. Um, but I think you know, if it was it wasn't working over at KTM, they obviously started to butt heads. You know, I'm I'm reading between the lines. You know, you don't go from a mutual agreement like that if everything's halfway decent right yeah. so so clearly there was some dis- discrepancies and and you know people were unhappy and um 
you know, I think that baggage, you know, like just don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. You know, and moving and that was enough to like, you know, relight the, his fire potentially. Yeah. 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 No, it, it makes sense. And like you'd hear, I heard like stories through the outdoors. I can't remember what, whether it was, I think it was the first year they had the new frame where he basically just went and bought a stock motorcycle and took a stock frame to the races. So he was like, no, I want to race this particular bike. Like that's, it's pretty bad at that point. If a dude is going and buying it. Well, as you can't right or wrong, if he was, you know, whatever the case may be, you can't do that to the factory, right? <laughs> like you're no matter what, whatever you think you're going to achieve out of it, it's not going to, they're going to look down on it. It's just driving a wedge like yep. further and further yep. into the, you know, like I was, I've heard, you know, I, they're all just stories, but like, you know, Chad bounced around a lot. You know, there's, you, you don't want to, you know, you don't want you want to try to burn the least amount of bridges as you can. And I think when you, if that was true and you went out and did that, like allegedly, that, alleged, allegedly, yes. If that, you know, it's not a good look. Yeah. Teams yeah. are not, the team's not going to be stoked. Did you ever have any times where you were really fucking off the motorcycle? Um, I mean, I think it was, was it when they went to them air forks? No, we had, it was outdoors. Um, I want to say, well, I know I would, we went one, one at Unadillo when we changed the frame. So I don't remember if that was 2011 or 12. It was early, but I could win. A, I won a lot of the first motos. It was racing Dunge close with Dunge. I won a lot of first motos, but like I couldn't make it a second moto. I'd get second. Like I'd get tired, flat out tired. And really? then Unadilla was coming down close to the, you know, getting, coming, closing out it's the like series. like the business end of yeah. the season. And um, we had the opportunity to ride a new frame that was homologated. They had, it was that late in the year that they had the 20 or whatever year it was. Yeah. 2013's out or 2012's, whatever it was. And, um, I flew back out from Florida, which normally I never come back out West after that, you know, once we're in the full swing of East and outdoors, we stay back there. So I flew out, did, did a full couple test days out here and immediately, like I rode through the parking lot I could feel a difference with the motorcycle and rode it. And that went back to, to Unadilla and we went one, one. That was the first time I had won the second moto that year so but yeah i would i was never one of those guys that came in and would would you know destroy the motorcycle in front of everybody and say we need to fucking do this better and blah blah, blah. the bike shit like i would say the bike was shit to the guys but in in a nice way in a nice well i would say shit you know like dude the bike's just shit you know we need to get it better yeah but that's like we need to yeah, get it better yeah, you know yeah. like let's rally let's go we need to figure this out yeah um coming from more of like a leadership angle yeah it's not like this thing's shit and you guys need to figure it out you know like or i'm not riding this thing yeah um i totally could have done that that year i mean i think that that same chassis i know i don't know if it's the same year but like nick was a fill-in rider for i think me maybe so yeah. it might have been the next year or whatever and he would ride, run one shock first moto and run a completely different shock the second moto. Really? Yeah, because one was better at this. And we, we really struggled with the, 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 the rear of that motorcycle for, for quite a while. Um, but once again, I never came back in and was like, you know, just laid it all out on the line and put it on, put it on them. It's like, we need to get better. Yeah. And what was it in the chassis? Was it just, it was too stiff? Was it Too like stiff, yeah. Ultimately just too stiff. Yeah. where exactly how acceleration bumps is where it was you know it was just very rigid just jarring rigid from your feet back 
Yeah. Um, and no matter how fit you are, it wasn't a case of being fit necessarily. It was a case of just getting, just, you know, you just got beat up. Just standing there and yeah, and getting punched and just pretty soon, <laughs> yeah. no matter how strong you are, you're gonna you're gonna fold. You know, yeah. you're gonna get tired. Yeah. And that's what it was with me. It's funny you said you could feel it in the parking lot. I mm. I did the swap shootout this year and like I'm slow, like you've seen me right. I'm not very fast, but I love the whole like testing and all that shit. And I, I rode a my buddy raced swaps 450 at Glen Helen for the World Vets, yeah. Husky, and yeah. it, it had like 12 or 13 hours on it, right? And so I uh, I rode that at Parlour for one day and then I rode at the shootout. I hadn't rode a 450 in ages, so I was like, I'm just going to go ride this bike. Rode the shootout, rode the Husky first because I was like, that's the last bike I've ridden. Got on a new KTM and I literally rode it like up the hill at Cahia to just get onto the track and there's like bumps and rain wash out. And I looked down at the hour meter and I was like, this thing's fucking brand new. And I looked down and it had two hours on it that you can definitely feel. And so I said that in something and I had all these comments of people just flaming me like, there's no way you can feel that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. And I was like, no. bro, you, it's just a feeling. Especially with you, a big change like that, like a full chassis change, you know, if it's stiffer, softer. And one's got 12 hours. Yeah. And one's, one had two. And it was night and day difference and it's like that even to me like in theory that makes sense but i'd i'd never back-to-back bikes the way that i did on, on that yep. on that shootout yep. and and i'd been riding a lot too like this year is the most i ever rode so i'm fairly in tune i guess um yeah, yeah, yeah based off that but i could not believe it and it just i wish the average guy could do that more maybe and yeah. get more perspective on like hey if you change this it makes a huge difference and in weird places where you might not feel it like the um engine mounts and there's like all this stuff that i mean torque specs instant yeah torque as well yeah. instantly changes the motorcycle yeah fork you know all your your fork lugs you know the lugs the triple clamps you know, when I went to Europe, that was something that was like, oh, we're going to we're going to change the lug because I'd never done that over here. You know, we're going to change the torque spec on the lug. Um, at least that I had never paid attention maybe over here. Maybe they maybe we had tried it. But but yeah, it made a difference. It made all that little stuff makes a difference. Now, on the average person is probably not gonna be able to tell that. Yeah. But when you get on a new chassis change from from one bike to another, you know, and it's a pretty big drastic change you're gonna notice things like that yeah it's stiffer seat stiffer i feel taller you know whatever yeah yeah i did uh i had sleeter do some i did a 350 build and i had sleeter like test it with me yeah and i'd never really done like suspension testing as such and he was like okay i'm not gonna tell you what i changed just go and ride it and dude i i did like three laps and i came in and he's like all right what'd you feel and i said I feel like my seat foam is stiffer. And he's like, that's crazy. Like that two clicks on the high speed on your shock. And I was like, holy fuck. That yeah. is insane, the difference. But I think the average guy probably doesn't ever do it. Well, I think you also have to like start to think that way. Like yeah. notice changes. Like, you know, make it a priority. Go out and, and learn the changes too. Like, and you know. Um, some tracks are easier to make those changes, to, to feel the changes. 
Um, some you need to go drastic. You know, I always tell people like, you know, somebody like, tr- you know, for production stuff, it's like throw four clicks at it. You know, if somebody mm. asked me at like the local track or whatever, well, what do you think about this? Like, well, throw four clicks at it instead, you know, like we'll do two, you know, our stuff's different anyways, the factory stuff, but I write production stuff now. So I'll go to, you know, whatever, but I would tell him like go enough to where you can feel it and then you can come back, you know, you start to learn it. If you just go one or two, you're never going to notice the difference. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you were hanging out with Casey for that period of time, was he good with that stuff? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think he was, um, you know, it's, Casey, it's been a long time since I've talked to you, so you know maybe we <laughs> reminisce about this stuff, you know, reminisce. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, very, you know, I talked to a lot about the Ducati. I couldn't, you know, really explain a lot of it now. It was, it was quite a while ago, but very, um, he was very in tune with the motorcycle too, and he could see a lot of stuff, you know, on, uh, you know, while riding, while I was riding, you know, that does kind of translate over, you know, like as you watch somebody, you can. You can know, especially on a motorcycle, because it's so much. If I were to him, well, go watch road race, you know, it's, they only have this much travel. Yeah, you know, like yeah. We got long, and you know, so I think it's some somewhat a little easier for for him to be able to look at a motorbike. So that was Casey Stoner, by yes, the way. Yes. Well, I didn't say his last name. Um, is there a reason why you're going so far? Out of oh, ca- Do you not want to be in the camera, no. or like? <laughs> Am I not in the camera? Oh, I just keep leaning over this way. There we go. I'm back in. <laughs> um, so what what was that period like? We were talking about it before, but there was a period in like 12, 13 where Casey was hanging out yeah. for like a month and you guys spent a ton of time um, just like he was at the track. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, like, come to the test track, that? come to the test track, went to some races with us, um, stayed, at, yeah, stayed at the house for a while while he was over. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, hearing his perspectives, hearing what he went through, um, I feel like we were, we have kind of, two similar trajectory and careers, um, you know, and the way we kind of thought, you know, and when we departed and things like that, you know, so, and similar feelings of what we were feeling at the certain times, mm. um, you know, so it was, it was, it, w- it was good to be able to talk to, you know, somebody like that. Yeah. Because he had such a crazy, unique career, you yeah. know, and like talk about a guy retiring early, you know, like it just, it's, it's funny to when you, see there's some athletes that are so down with all of the things that come with being a professional athlete and then there's some athletes that want none of it like casey hand on my heart would have just showed up to a track 15 times a year to just race those dudes without one camera without one news report without like he was just that guy and you know i don't know where you fit on that spectrum but it's like there's valentino rossi his main rival loves all of it the 360 degree of being a superstar being an athlete being an entertainer i've always kind of said that i said there's some people that really like the limelight and like like you said like all of it and there's some that only like uh, you know a few you know bits and pieces of it or you know pieces of of it you know maybe not the limelight but they love the racing yeah um yeah i don't that i could totally see you know that that was casey for sure where'd you fit on that spectrum um a lot a lot like that you know like i like um i like the racing part and and you know i wasn't i've i've learned to be better with it now um i was i'm more of like a one track you know mind type person where mm. when i'm just I, when i'm engulfed in it's, i'm in that you know and that was the racing side so i looked at that that's my job not you know and i could have done a better job at you know um 
influencing the fans and, and, and playing that part because, you know, I think Jet's doing a great job at that. There's a lot of guys doing that have realized, you know, now I, I wasn't the guy, Dunge wasn't the guy, you know, um, James was, I wouldn't even say that the guy, I don't think we didn't utilize Instagram and the fans and, and the character that you can be AP perfect example, you know, like, um, I believe that's AP, but I, he's also bringing... He's hamming it up. Yes, he's bringing yeah. it up, and he's even making it a little bit bigger than what it is, let's say, for the fans. I think that's something that we need in yeah. this sport, you know? Yeah. Um, that's what we missed. And why did you miss it? Um, I don't think we knew how. I don't think we... You know, we also... I think it was it was maybe looked... At, I, maybe it was more met, less looked down upon. Like, yeah. You're not doing your job if you're doing that type thing, and I, I know it's still the same way. You're you're paid to go out and, and, and win races, and you know, and do well. But also, there's a there is a, a huge fan following now of of even if you're not the winner. Like AC's got his you know big fans, and he's got all his you know. For example, like he's had a couple rough, he's had a, a rough year you know with his arm dealing with all of that you know you know he I know he's he's capable of doing better than that, but he's you know he's got his fans because he's in, engaged with them yeah. right so you have a character you have a you have a more of a household name yeah you know yeah and i think that i mean it is it's strange to me it's always been strange to me because only one dude can win mm-hmm. <laughs> like so like just from a math perspective like there's only one guy that's going to be the guy and so what everyone else sucks yeah. No one else can, well, you know. Exactly. And I, I'm I'm at fault for that too a lot a lot of times. Like, oh, well, I actually said this to to my wife the other night. I was like, you know, I and maybe it's just because I'm... Old school. <laughs> oh, and I'm 35 now, you know, yeah. and, and I'm like, I'm like, I, you know, when Nate Thrasher came, I used Nate, it was Nate. I'm like, you know, I look at him and I see him up there. He's won some races and he's fast and the man really inconsistent, you know. And then I'll, on the other hand, I'm like, and I explained this to her. I was like, he's a, like winning races. Like these, the, the, not very many people can do that. Yeah. Like he's it's fucking gnarly. awesome. It's <laughs> gnarly. Yeah. You know, like I got to train myself, Yeah, you know, to look at that and be like, dude, even to get to that position, you know, uh, of winning races, maybe not a title, but like, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a huge feat, you know? Yeah. So I, like I was telling, I, I was explaining that to her. I was just like, yeah, it's it's different. At first, I just looked at him like, yeah, he's pretty good. He's all right, you know. Well, but you know, and he's he's improved a lot too. But I'm like, he's he's one of the guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know. All these guys are young in there, you yeah. know. Most of them, you know. So it's not like, and he's gonna be around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and it's and changing the way you think, I guess. I, you know, yeah. and maybe because I'm more engulfed in it now with you know Title Twenty Four and and a, you know more of a fan. My kids are seven now, so we're watching the races and all the time. Fans, so you're and they're fans, their so eyes. I'm seeing it more on a different level too. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just think the sport needs to catch up in a sense to that. And like you look at F1 is an awesome example of that. Like Alex Albon, if Alex Albon gets fifth fuck me like that is almost the drive of a lifetime and yep. maybe we don't have that as much because the parity between the motorcycles isn't there in the same way like if you're on a honda and you get third it's not amazing because that bike isn't a third place bike like they're all 
unreal. I mean, it, yeah. Ke- Kenny's on a 2006 model. We don't RMZ have 450. Like, yeah, we have nothing that the car racing has when uh, when it comes to the manufacturers. Yeah, anybody can win on anything. Every one of those motorcycles are capable of winning. Yeah, and I think maybe that's a little bit to blame where we don't look at like an Alex Albon type drive you know but i think we need to again realize like you are if you can get fifth in an ama supercross race you are such a gangster Uh, (laughs) that it is barely describable to the average human being and it's like and but you if you look at the way that the sport has evolved and maybe it'll just naturally change now because of the players involved like you had Jeremy McGrath. You had Ricky Carmichael. You had Ryan Villapoto. You had Ryan Dungey. Just 10 championships, five championships, four champions. Like, so we were just used to, like, you guys set this model of, well, there's one guy that's going to win everything for it's like. It's been like five. that for a long time. That's, it's been like that since the 90s, bro. Yeah. And now we're finally getting into, like, there's only, I think, has it been a different podium every single weekend? So far, I think. Yeah, I don't even so. think. I think Jordan Smith has been on the podium. He was on the podium in the mud last week, or San Fran, right? And Anaheim. Yeah. Yeah. And then this week. So, like, he's, the, I think, the only guy that's actually been on the box at more than one race so maybe it changes now as we can see a guy like ap wins one weekend he might get six the next week you know what i mean so maybe that it'll change naturally with the sport but then like we just had jet like what happens if he figures it out and well i was gonna say i think it's you're gonna have it's gonna change and you're gonna see those weekends but you're also gonna cream always rises to the top and you're eventually going to and as the season gets on, you know, uh, nagging injuries and, and travel and all that, guys aren't going to be as sharp and they will start to lose. And then you're going to have two or three guys that, you know, that'll be there in the end that are actually in that title fight. Yeah. But I think from the sports perspective, I think we, we just need more guys making more money and like more guys need to be able to like be on the line for a longer period of time and if you know what i, I mean think and like need, be valued you know and i know it's been talked about like a drive drive to survive like we need something that shows and goes super into depth i think into our um i heard you know i mean i know it's been mentioned i don't know you know and is it also the right time to do it you know what i mean i like, don't think there's a better time to do it another five years of where this goes you know or does is it better to drop it now or you know like but i think to open season that, one i season think two yeah. season three i season think it four. opened it up you know like watching that you know i was never an f1 fan never watched it but like the way they filmed that it was you know yes a lot of it some of it was set up but a lot of it wasn't and i mm. think that's uh, and, and also you know that i think would right alone would help help uh, the average you know viewer really understands and also potentially get bigger sponsors involved too, potentially, yeah. you know, I don't know. I think there needs to be something explained about our sport. I heard that there was an offer to do it and it was going to cost like $5 million mm-hmm. and they said no. I don't know if anyone else heard that same thing. Allegedly. Yeah. That's what I just heard through, a, through birds, you know. Um, so disappointing in a sense. Yeah, I, I, I would... Yeah, it's a lot of money. I don't know what their numbers are. I don't know what they make. 
on each stadium. I don't know any numbers, but I do yeah. say that um, I think that would help the sport. Yeah. And investing in the sport and eventually seeing, you know, if you're thinking long term, if you know, which hopefully they are, you know, 20 years down the road, that's when you see, you know, or 10 years down the road, that's when you see probably that investment of that five million. Yeah. You know, you really see it back. Yeah. But I mean, the sport has been pretty, like this year in particular, I mean, sell out at A1, mm -hmm. sell out at San Diego, like the stadium was packed. And it was it, pissing me It was it. actually, I was surprised how packed it was. Dude, same. But there was, so they sold all the tickets. So like it's a sellout, even though if people are listening even if it wasn't, and they're like, oh, yes. it wasn't full though. Yes. It's like, yeah, well, some people was, probably didn't want to go on the rain, but they did sell all of the tickets. All the like, allotted tic tickets that they had for that race were and sold. I don't know what the numbers at San Fran were, but that again was like a... It looked pretty, yeah, solid. pretty busy too. Yeah. in the rain. Yeah, so I mean, I think like you guys with your show that you're doing, you can see the numbers. Like I can see my numbers. Like it, we're definitely trending. And I, I, when I heard that they, and again, I don't know whether it's true, but I heard that it was like, nah, we're we're not gonna do it. Mm. I'm like, fucking huge L. Like you literally have Justin Bieber going yeah. 24 and 0 you've got both the series talking to each other like you can have already the manufacturers involved two new manufacturers stepping in Dude. you know between triumph and, and ducati um yeah i think they should do something along those lines but it's got to be good yeah you know yeah well, top I notch think box to box is the company that, that does F f1, f1 yeah. and i think it was like i think that's who they were talking to these things do take a while to get going though mm -hmm. so i really do hope i hope that, they do it yeah i think it would make a huge huge impact on our sport and we have the stars like dude think about just go through the 450s i mean it's crazy and then you've got dig like have you have you actually been to a race that hayden's been at and been to those pits um paula was it did you race, yeah, race paula last year but no not not a back east you not need, like what i'm seeing you, you know. need to go just make a point at some point this year to just go stand in star when he like comes off the track or is about, it's fucking insane, bro. Yeah. The, the, it is. He's another one that's done a good, you know, that's just changing. Yeah. Changing the sport too. He literally, so he's in the truck and as soon as he goes in the truck, they all just start screaming, Hayden, 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 like chanting. And I'll, like, I'm, I was there, I was at Washougal trying to talk to Kitchen and he's just standing there. And that's why I was like, he left because he's sick of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's why he left though. Just say it, bro. Like, it's annoying. But we're trying to have this and We kind of just stopped talking. And then it's so loud. Because they're screaming, dude. Yeah. And then he comes out and it's then, it's like kind of like Europe, you know? Yeah. Europe's crazy like that. You know, it's it's good to see. I think that's what they I'll have to go check it out. That's that's you but know, it's, it's very helping. it's very surprising to see that at a motocross track like i've been to a lot of events and i've just never seen a guy get like screamed out of his truck and just no one else can talk everyone just stopped like just like all right that the mob's going crazy and then he comes out and they're screaming and and to his credit too like he's doing it like yep. he's playing the part he comes out of the truck he signs the autographs like he's so good about that role that he's in and i think that's a massive thing where like i think james could have been a huge turning point in the mm -hmm. sport if he wanted to play the role 
And I think we got a couple of years of him wanting to play the role. And then it was just like... But it wasn't a thing that we did back then. Mm. You know, like, and this wasn't... I mean, Instagram was was around us, you know. but To not, a point. To a point, but not like it is now, you know. And I also think that when you are, if James, re, if the, if Instagram, what what is mm. what it was, is today, and we would have realized that back then, right? If it was back then and we had it what's today, like the revenue standpoint is going to make you be that person and mm. be that character. At least it would have for me. Yeah. I would have figured out a better way to do it. Imagine just 50 Gs a month coming in off the YouTube. You know what I mean? Um, I don't want a camera. You know, I'm not going to do my, that to my kids. I'm, I don't want a camera around my, you know, all the time, three days a week, four days a week. And then, you know, that's just not me. But when I was racing without kids, you know, it's just me and my my wife, you know, like I think there would have been, I think, yes, I think that you could have changed some things and, and but it, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't available. It wasn't like what it is now. Yeah. but I, And they've I think, realized that and they're capitalizing on that, but it's also good for the sport. It's building it, the content's out there. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's why we have these followers now. Like, you know, like we had followers then, you know, or the people that fans. Oh, for sure, yeah. But like, you know, now Jet, Hunter, um, you know, Hayden. Yeah, it's just like a... Diehards. It's a different, a different level. I think so, a little bit. But yeah, I think there was definitely a point in James's life slash career where he just was like, you know what, fuck this, I'm out. And he kind of just shut up the gates and was like, nah, I'm done. You know, so it, it, I think it does take... And but he had to deal with like a lot of shit that the av- like the average white racer doesn't have to deal with, and that was very real. I saw a lot of it firsthand, mm-hmm. you know. So like I get it as well on like a bunch of fronts. But I think it takes like you can have Hayden Deegan level talent and not want to be on camera and not want to do the YouTube thing and not care to engage with the fans and not shout out Andrew Tate and David Goggins on the boat. Like it takes a certain level of kid to like want that smoke, you know? So I don't think the sport, like you didn't want to be that guy. Like you didn't want to be the dude. No, but I have my, my one kid's that guy. Like he would do something like Gage would do something like that. You know, like, I don't know. I think it's also in you, but also you can also train it too, to Mm. a certain extent. Right. Like that's, I think, you know, I think myself, James, Chad, like uh, Ricky, probably would have tried to capitalize on that a little bit more if it would have been around. But you know, things are just things have progressed so quick with yeah. you know everything right now. It's it's just it's different times. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's ultimately what it is. You know, like there's a there's a go back and say ask Rick Johnson or you know MC. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, like. Well, Shit, we didn't have YouTube back then, you know? Like, you go ask, and, you know, some of those guys, where's your old footage? I mean, there's a couple on YouTube, you know? You probably find some stuff, but you're not going to... I mean, you literally probably could find every gate drop I was on on YouTube if you really go to search. Yeah. You know, so that's really cool. I'm I'm glad and lucky enough to have that. Yeah. Have that in the, in the in the you know, in the vault. Yeah. You know, where I can always go and access it on YouTube. Do you ever watch any of the old races? Um, I, I never really did. Um... While racing or, you know, afterwards, but now that the kids are like more into it, That's you know, sick. like they're, they'll, they'll go on and find stuff, you know, there's, they found this, well, they searched something and then, you know, um, I saw this one come up, it was like an hour and 30 minutes long and it's like, it's literally, it's like some VCR shit in it and it's all like crammed together in an hour and 30, but it's, it's uh, a bunch of like old from start to finish race wins. Yeah. Like an hour and 30 of race wins. 
That's you so know? gnarly. And dude. battles with James and, you know, uh, Dunge and stuff at Redbud and all over. So it's cool to see that stuff. It's not professionally done. It, you know, like I said, some of it's it's not even HD on some of it, you know, because it was probably filmed off of, you know, like I said, a VCR or whatever. But it's really cool to have, be able to have that. Those guys don't even have that. And yeah. now it's a different, now you have, you yeah. know. Yeah, just the errors that you go through. Man, it's it actually is. But it, it's funny though, like I'm here talking to you and it's just, that's my life now, <laughs> you know. But it's like, there was a point in time where I was watching you on a, we're the same age. And so I was watching you on a super mini on all the DVDs, yep. on every, like, and it is, it's crazy, like, I guess in the moment now, like, you just you're just doing the thing, but you don't really go back. But if you do go back and look, you're like, "Fuck, that's actually pretty insane that I did this, or I w- I was this guy then, but I'm this guy now." Like, just ten years ago, you were the baddest motherfucker on a like, just such a little savage, and you just you change, and and now you're this guy, and you kind of it doesn't. It's not that it doesn't matter, but it's like. You just barely think about that part of your life. Yeah, I think, yeah, no, for sure. And I think a lot of that for me is just being, you know, I have my own kids now and the, that takes up, you know, <laughs> yeah. who gives a shit what you did, did <laughs> yeah. back then, right? So that just takes up a lot of a lot of the time now. But I think the older you get too and, and having, being able to have that stuff on YouTube, like the older you get, the older I get, the cooler that I think, that I, that I see that it actually was. <laughs> the older I get, the faster I was. Well, kind of like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of like that deal. Yeah. It's like, well, shit, like, you know, now at 35, if you would ask me at 20 or ask me at 28, retired already, 29, uh, my answer would have been different than it is now. Like at 35, I look back, I'm like, dude, I actually did really did a lot of cool shit and won a lot of races. And it's, was, it, it's no harder now than it was to win races then. In my opinion, is as inconsistent as it is, it's, it should be easier to win the championship today mm. than having somebody that you know never doesn't finish first or second between me and Dunge. <clears throat> it's hard to get a points gap when you got somebody finishing second every weekend. Oh, or you and BT that year, <clears throat> or me and Ben. You know, we lost one one race, high point. And didn't who? Did Ben go down in the first turn of that race, or did you? He did. He yeah. he went down, um, and I think he had to change a front wheel. Yeah. And I don't remember mine. If some, you know, I think Josh Grant Josh, won first yeah. moto. Yeah. And then I think I won the second moto, but I, I we didn't end up winning the overall. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It and you think about the those battles, like, and that's the thing that I always think is so gnarly is just to every single weekend have to go to the track and just know like because the risk that you guys take at the speed that you're going and it's like it's calculated and you're used to it but i mean that's the thing i I fight with this all the time in in my head like you know one day i wake up and i'm like fuck this is gonna be awesome we're going racing gate where you know gauge has like you know i can see it he's got potential his style he he could be good you know, if we go, if we go down, if there. you went that, and route. I'm not saying Jet good or me good, I'm just saying he could be good. Yeah. At what level, I don't know. <clears throat> a good amateur, a good pro, I don't. I'm just saying he could be good. And uh, but then on the other hand, I'm like, do I really want him going down? God, do I my, want that life for him? My back is killing me. You know, like <laughs> like I got a blown out big toe that I need to get fused, and it's like, do I really? I'm like, fuck, it's pretty cool. You know. <laughs> 
it's you know it's it's i'm also retired at 30 well 35 now but retired at 27 years old like there's not many you know if you are that guy potentially i don't know so i fight with that all the time Should, do we do, go, do we go do we not go i had a period of time in my life where even because I, I think it's funny like even the average joe thinks the same way <laughs> in a sense like should I go rate like my wife? Like she doesn't come from motocross at all. Didn't even know what motocross was until we met. And like a dude in one of my races at World Vets broke his fucking neck. And she found that out and she was horrified. Freaked out. Like fully horrified. And then Anthony, he hasn't rode in like two years. That day at Parlor, I was saying I rode the 450. He hasn't rode forever. We stayed at his house for a month and I was like, mate, when you get back, I'm fucking taking you riding. So we load it up. We go to pilot. And he's a good rider, right? Cartwheels. The four, just got caught by some wind. He's a little dude on a 450. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just cartwheeled, right? Broke his <laughs> thumb. Broke his broke his scaphoid. Broke, oh, that's bro- not a good one. Broke his hip. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> dude, it was massive. Like, the thing just, like, went up and just Pushed drifted out, like that. Yeah. And he just, like, almost Pancake. landed sideways, you know? And... uh but anyway, so we're in the hospital for eight hours dealing with that shit. And she was just like, this is not cool. And I've been through those points in my life. Like I, I watched Andrew McFarlane die. And I didn't ride for basically eight years after that. Because I just mentally couldn't do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, But I think every rider like has that weird thought around like, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, but there's there is something to it you know and then you could i mean think- if you ask my kid right now seven and ask him at 10 and 12 and you know like ask a loretta's kid why are you doing this well because i love it yeah. you know they and they and they do you ask my kid well why do you ride because it's fun yeah that's what he would say right it's fun i like doing it um i don't think you start thinking that way till you get a little bit older you've had um, some injuries you've also had some injuries but also seen some injuries and then also i think what is your you know what's your mission you mm. know like are you focused on becoming the, the best, best. Yeah. And, and winning a championship? Because if you are, these other things are just part of the sacrifice. Mm. Um, you know, ask me back in the day, it's, it's like, well, what else am I going to do? Go frame houses with my dad? Because I, you know, that, that my, I had no fallout plan, really. I mean, my fallout plan would have been building houses. Mm. But it's like injury, okay, well, that's part of the sport, you know, and it, and it is. And I think that's the thing, like, what I do, how I reinsure myself is, is like, obviously I, and I also use, I look at Nick too, way, you know, because Vince is, is, you know, a top super mini one. Yeah, he's really good, you know, doing all the crazy stuff, right? Like all the big jumps and, you know, going down that road and um, teach him right, Mm. right? Try to teach him right. But there is going to be those, shit's going to happen. I understand that. But on average, the shit's if you, if we teach them right and we and we and we hold them back when we need to hold them back and we push them when we need to push them, and the te- and we and we hammer on technique and, and doing those things and you know like when I was brought up it was like let's how can we go faster it's not it wasn't technique it was just let's go faster yeah you know and sometimes you know you either weren't ready for it or whatever it's there's it's way more scientific there's way more information about it now and you can do it a smarter way than than I think you could have back then when I was coming up. So I look back and look at my kid. I'm just like, I'm trying to teach him the safe way, the, the right way, the, yeah. you know, and yeah, shit's going to happen. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And you could just get hit by a bus at any <clears throat> point in time ever. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, like, I, and that's the other thing. And then that runs through yourself. Well, I walk off the curb and not look the wrong way, and I'm gonna get hit by a car. Yeah, you know, or go on a cycle and get hit by hit by hit by a car. You know, same thing. It, it all can happen. Yeah. Did were there any points in racing? Because I know this was something Ricky said with James and Chad was the same. Where they'd just be like, "This motherfucker, like, just don't, bro, don't do it." And then you get into the race and you have to do the thing that the guys are doing because you, like you said, you black out. Um, and then you look back and you're like, bro, I did not want to do that. <clears throat> yeah, I think that when I was racing James, there was a lot of jumps that he would jump, right? That, I mean, I know specifically one at Anaheim, um, one of the Anaheims that we raced, there was a, there was a, uh, like a triple, they were all three-footers. Yeah. And it was a triple quad. Um but they were also kind of small three-footers, and they were really sharp, and I ended up jumping it twice. I never went into that. You know, I went into the race thinking, like, okay, well, I, obviously I don't want to jump it, but if, I, if I'm close enough to him, um, I'll follow him off of it. And, and I up, like I said, I ended up jumping it twice. First time I did it pretty good. Second time I, I clipped it, and I stopped doing it. <laughs> he jumped at the whole, whole main event, you know? Um, but yeah, just trying to be pick, picking those those moments of when to push it, you know, and when not to. Mm. That's a hard decision. <laughs> uh, I I think it is. I didn't. I mean, I I think it was hard for James sometimes, you yeah, know. Yeah, true. Um, but there was on average, like I think for me, I never really put myself in a the position to like a do or die scenario. Mm. Do you do you ever think you race like <clears throat> peak Jeez. James Stewart? Yeah. You think? I think so. What like what races would you look at with him where it was like that was that was all of Stewie? Um, I mean there I I can't I can't can't I'm not gonna be able to bring him off the top of my head. I know we had really a good, really good race at Redbud that I remember. Mm. Um he was still on a Suzuki. Um, you know, I raced him on, on Yamaha, which you know, that he I mean he's been was very vocal about how how much he didn't like that motorcycle and it's motorcycle, motorcycle, motorcycle. Um, and then you go to Suzuki too. So I, I, I only didn't not race him in the, in, er, in the early stages, which would have been the two years on Cowie. Yeah. And then we came up and then I moved up. Yeah. So yes, I would say I got, I got James in his prime. Yeah. Cause he was something different. Like, there and was I like also a, think I got Chad at his second wave of uh, second prime. Dude. You know, like, because I think Chad, but I, you might have got Chad at his best. I think, like, either 04 or uh, I was gonna say Yamaha days when 12 he, or 13. I when think. he was on when he the year that he was really that the, he was the two, 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 two Honda good, yeah, that yeah. that I think that was 12. I I think that was Dallas. Well, remember, that's when he crashed at Dallas, but bro, he he was he crashed right in front of me at that race, actually. I remember. That whole thing going down, but he was ripping, dude, like fully ripping. And I think even the year before that, like he was really fast as well. So but, I think I got both of them in their prime. Yeah, yeah, but I think we that you just always feel like James, like there was something left on the table with him, though. Maybe that's what makes me think that, in a sense, you know, like. Well, I think he had a lot of races that he should have won, mm. a ton. Yeah, probably almost as many as he's already you know won. Not literally, but like a ton of races. Either that you know a crash or something, something happened. Did you ever like watch edits and stuff of him at his house and just be like, "What the fuck"? 
Honestly, no, not really. I mean, I've seen the the quads and the stuff, you know, and, and even on the kicks, 250, you yeah. know, when he was riding that. Um, you know, big quads at his house. And I was never like a big... That never... I never looked at that and be like, wow, like, yeah. I want to do that. I'm like, the least jumps, the less height, you know, like I was... <laughs> I mean, I would follow guys off the triple, you know, eat, you know, while racing. Really? You know, go, go up, walk the track. I'm like, oh, okay, triple, full stadium triple, you know, or even rhythm section triple. Like if I was, if I questioned it, which I would question, like I'd go walk the track with Nick all the time. He goes, oh, we're going to triple out of this turn. I'm like, dude, you think it's kind of big. It's kind of a big triple and not a problem. You know, first gear, you'll hit it in first gear on your bike and, you know, you'll triple it. And, and that's nine, every time it's that, that's, he was right. But like for, Example, like a stadium triple, if it had like a steep yeah. takeoff or something that wasn't, you know, standard, standard, you know, um, I never grew up doing play riding and play jumping and things like that. So like me going and, and judging distance and based on the takeoff, not, not, not good. So I would follow, I, Brayton was who I'd follow Justin a lot. Dude, he's the man. Like I remember at, when I first got to America I would watch him for the first three laps of every practice because mm. he was always, always pretty jumping. much the yep. first dude. Yep. Yeah. And so I would follow him. And I also knew like his speed too. go and follow James. If he, if you get behind him and he hits the thing and does the, the traditional bubble scrub, yeah, he's going like 10 miles an hour too fast, you know, like, so then <laughs> yeah. if I don't scrub that hard, I'm going to end up in the stands. Um, so I would always pick somebody that, you know, that did it right, right in the middle. Yeah, you know, yeah. speed wise. Yeah, and try to pick him, pick it, pick it up early. But even then, I could pick him up at the end of the rate or end of the practice, because Justin really didn't. He was really good everywhere. He didn't do anything fantastic. You know, he didn't scrub really hard. He didn't. You know, he jumped everything really precise, perfect. You know, like yeah. but he was fast at it. Yeah, yeah. He didn't have to really seat bounce. You know, like to me, I I always I always could find him and go and jump it, follow him. That's awesome to hear that that was like the strategy. Because, because I could always race them, jumping yeah. them, scrubbing. Once I did it, I'm like, okay, now I know how fast I can hit it. Now I can hit it five miles an hour faster than I just did yeah. and put the scrub into it, put the emphasis in the bike and, and know, know what I need to do. Because you and Dunge were so similar in that regard, I think. Like if, if it was just me trying to compare you two, I'd say you had more of a send. Like a nut. Then him, yeah. You had that button where you could just like press it, just do the mind arrays for like five seconds on yep. a, on a track and do what needed to be done. But very, very similar in terms of just like solid as a rock, did all the work, showed up prepared, had the a very like working man's attitude to the sport. And you could see guys like Josh Hill, Josh Grant. Josh Hansen. I don't know why they're all Josh's, but like just the most insane natural ability would go and play ride, could jump any jump, could tr do any transfer. Like there's a very contrasting yes, style, different. but you and Dunge, it was just like the same. It was almost like racing the same guy in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very similar, you know, um, when it when if you look look at it like that, you know, we weren't big play riders. We weren't out there doing you know nose wheelies, crazy jumps, you know transfers. I don't think we had that. We I mean, I, it wasn't like bred into you in a sense, maybe. That and I also don't think we were that talented. We were talented, but we also perfected the talent that we had and made you the talent that out. we had 
grow. Yeah. Um, where, you know, like Kevin Windham, for example, like probably one of the most talented guys out there, but, you know, I don't think Kevin was, you know, I think he could have been much better. Yeah, a lot yeah. of guys, Josh Grant, a lot of those guys, like if you really took, you know, take his talent and put him into me, how good could I have been? Or put my work ethic and the way I thought about it and put it into Josh Grant. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a Phil Heath quote, you know, like the quote, uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And that, you know who Phil Heath is? Uh-huh. So he's like six time Mr. Olympia. Dude's just okay. a freak show, bro. <laughs> and he's, and he goes, yeah. But you're all fucked when talent works hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there's just not that I guess it's uh I guess it's just like that you can have everything but not all at once type of vibe. Where mm-hmm. it's like if you've got all the talent in the world, it's like kinda hard to be the guy that works for it because it's like, what are you making up for? Yeah. Like what do you what do you And that works to- at a young age, right? Like that once you get up into the fourth you know, once you get deep into the class, then you see, and that's, I mean, perfect example. Look at, you know, James, you know, like he had to, he did go 24-0. That was a year with Eldon. Like he did do the all the training, did all the <laughs> yeah, stuff. True, like he yeah. was legit. Yeah. Um, not, his mistakes went to very few, you know, not, not more. He went, he, he mitigated a lot of his mistakes when he was, when he was trained, fit, you know, head it, head totally in it, had, in, had somebody else keeping his head in it. Accountability. Yeah. Yeah. Do you what do you where do you rate Jets perfect season? I mean, doesn't per, it's a perfect season. Yeah. I mean, he was the best guy every every time the gate dropped. Um, you know, I don't. I think what we're seeing in Supercross right now, and I know it's early. We've had two mud races, and you know, we're seeing the emotion from Jet and and, and you know Anderson that that debacle that they had after the race and all of that. That's the young in him, yeah. you know. Um, that's the inconsistency right now. Um, I think, and also Supercross, you know, it's only so one one eh? gate drop. Your nerves are so much higher. I can know. I know for a fact, my nerves were double what they were going into Supercross really? any race than outdoors. What do you have, because you have such a that? huge starting line. The odds from a first turn pileup are a lot less a lot of times. Um, you have 30 minutes to correct a mistake. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, yes. Is it action packed? The first lap, are we going balls to the walls, you know, sprint mode? Yes. But it's, you know, there's a lot more room for air and you can breathe in a sense. There's a lot more room for air on the track, you know? Um, I mean, you got 30 feet to move around sometimes, not 12. Um, so yeah, I was way more nervous going into, into supercross, you know, than any of the supercrosses, than than going to race outdoors. Outdoors was was easy. You know, on 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 your head, on your on the mental aspect mm. for me. Did the crowd play into it at all, or that um, stuff you just kind of get used? Yeah, to? Yeah, I mean, I think you. Yeah, I mean, anytime you walk down into the stadium floor, you're like, okay, yeah, it's it's go time. You know, um, where outdoors you you have that, but you don't have that. It's not mm. the same. Yeah, everything about the outdoors to me is yes, it's it's hard, it's grueling, it's tough. But from 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 me mentally, my my mental aspect of it, like what you know, thinking about it, for me it was just easier. And I don't know if it's because it can't, it didn't come easier really. I had to train to be fit outdoors and suffer and all that to be good. But just I think just just it's just, just different. I was always way more nervous going into Supercross, any of them. Yeah, no, it does make sense. And so so I think we'll see. Yeah, you know, you're not going to see 
you know, uh, 17 and 17 and 0 or 20 and 0, whatever. You're not going to see that. We already, we already know that that's out of the picture now already. Um, and then 17 rounds of supercross. I know we have 11, it's only 11 outdoors now, you know, 17 is a big difference. So it's going to be interesting. I think jet's still going to potentially, if not win the championship, because I think he's, he's, he's really, really good, but I think we're going to see chinks in his armor. Mm you know, emotional chinks like we saw this weekend. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that he will ultimately fix, right? He's, it's a learn. He's young. Yeah. He's young in a position, being in, in a position right now that, that uh, no 20 year old has ever been in. Man, think about like, let's just lay it out. He's right? got a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts there. That's <laughs> going to be a hard thing to balance too, right? Like, and it's, this is the argument. So like we spent, an hour before talking about like grow the sport make this better be this guy be the personality like they got a fan zone they like which is unreal they've executed it amazing like the the interviews the like everything that they're doing they're doing it right but it does come at a cost you know and it's like yeah. how do you balance that cost like how do you there's like what you said about maximizing talent that's like that's a good way to look at even maximizing your potential as a superstar because you could float like Jet Lawrence could float through his career and be the like do what you did not really talk that much don't really show personality don't really engage it just fly to the race do the shit leave and you can sit here and go well I probably didn't maximize my time in the sport in that sense again different errors different platforms available like so things are different but you've got a kid that has the potential to be a fucking megastar a a global star everywhere and make millions and millions of dollars be set up for life careers post like there is so much to play for but you also have to do all of the work to win the races and to be that guy and it also comes at a cost of the more you win the more people want to see you lose Mm -hmm. and then that becomes another mental challenge that takes real maturity so if anyone thinks he's got it easy in these next few years, like he really, no. he really doesn't have it easy. No, I don't think he's got it easy. I think he's got a good group around him, though. That that especially with Dazzy, you know, keeping Legend. him grounded, and you His know, brother. really, and Hunter, and uh, sorry, um, being able to you know really get on his ass when when you know need be when that's required when it's required. Yeah, it's just like you know, pulling. We'll use San Diego as an example. Like, what happened to San Diego? Yeah, right? When, you know, Jet pulls over, wants to talk to Jason. Okay, totally fine. Um, And this is where, you know, maybe the emotions got a little, uh, you know, uh, got a hold of him. And and, But ultimately, Jason rode a a wide bike. Yeah, did he? Did you watch it? I watched it. Yeah, I watched all of it. It was fucking hilarious, bro. Tough conditions, number one. (laughs) Yeah, one line. One line line already. Track's only about four, three and a half, four feet wide in, in, in good spots. And uh, zero traction. And the other thing I saw, and what, yeah, zero traction. Um, get out of the main line, you're screwed. Um, in my opinion, Jet gave up his all of his passing points right, you know, every time he was trying to pass Jason everywhere. 
Yeah, yeah. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. If there was an open hole, he was going, and yeah. then Jason would shut him off, and then and he'd he try again and shut him off. Wheeled after the finish line too, where he eventually did get the pass done. Yep, and Jay, he'd expose himself, and then he, he Jason would shut him down. He exposed himself, and Jason would shut him down. So they they went around for three or four laps doing that, um, you know. And then yeah, they have some words afterwards, and and I thought it was look. I like the emotion involved. Um, that's, that's I think a, it's good for our sport. You know, no, I don't want to see punches thrown in a scenario like yeah. that because that's, you know, that's <laughs> this isn't UFC. It yeah. is we want to keep it professional, yeah. um, and we want to grow the sport. But having those raw emotions like that, I think, are good, um, as long as media and we don't spin it to be a negative. Yes, we spin it to be a positive. You know, this is what's on the line. These are the emotions involved. This is how big this series is in racing, and this is the and money that's on the line. This is the money that's on the line. You know, as long as we spin that all into a positive and we don't spin it into a negative, I think it's good for the sport. Um, and look, Jason, you had a 20, 20, 21 year old, twenty year old, and a thirty year old dad. You know, a dad. You know, you, you watch. And Jason tried to pull away. You know, yeah. he did. I it looked like to me he was pulling away, and, and Jet grabbed Jack him on his chin. Helmet, chin yeah. He grabbed him on the helmet, and you know, you see Jet grab him, and it was you know, hey, don't leave. And then you got Anderson grab a hold of him and really I'm not done with you, bro. really give yeah. him a good little shake. And you know, I like to see all that stuff. I think that's personality in our sport. I think it's good as long as it's spun the right way. And Jet's gonna make those little mistakes, and um, I already know that you know they've told him what he did wrong and. It's how he's going to deal with that on the on the backside. I think that he's no dummy, and I think that he uh, all those you know he he'll, he'll fix the, the the little mistakes. It's just like racing. He's learning every time he's out on the track. He's like you said, this is a this is um, first time being at, at this um, the best in the, the call it the world at the trajectory that he's on. These are all kind of new uncharted territories for him right now at 20 years old so you're gonna have mistakes from the from the kid yeah yeah and i think my take on it as well like i agree with everything that you said and that's why it's important to have people like you with a microphone every single week talking about this shit because you know and I, i think the one thing i would add don't really like the fine don't i mean actually I'll rephrase that. I do like the fine because it goes to the Alpine Stars Medical Unit. Yeah. So actually pay the fine. For which you one? Both, both, can, both or both? Well, yeah, both of them. Fuck it. It's only a thousand bucks. Give it to Alpine Stars. Yeah. I'll, I'll I mean, like I looked at it and I said, well, I told I said, I think I said this either on the show or before the show, Title 24 show uh, yesterday on Monday. We were, I was like, I don't think they should have fined Jason. If Jet wouldn't have called him over there, he would have rode past him and there would have been nothing. Jet's the one that touched him first. Yeah. And come on, really a thousand bucks? If you want it to fucking sting, make it ten grand. Yeah, yeah. You know, for that little incident, and that little, can you imagine what a big incident would be? And that's how I think you keep, you know, keep yeah, the riffraff also keeping in check. Thousand bucks. But you're just the AMA shill because they kept finding uh, Lawrence, and you were cool with it. So that's you're just you're yeah, you're, you're coming at this I from a, the wrong angle, bro. That uh, I my thing I will add on it. And this is why I wouldn't like a massive fine on something like that. Because if riders like, so that helmet shake and that, that's very PG. Mm-hmm. Right? Totally. So, and if you discourage guys and, and so they come off the track and they dealt with it when the emotions were hot and it was raw, they got in each other's face. No harm was done. It was very PG. And now I don't think we see that boil over in practice one 
or practice two or heat race one or main event. And I don't think that you see it go down that road. And if you take away a rider's ability to express that frustration and express that anger, then I think what you will see is it come out somewhere. And when you're on a motorcycle, Mm. dudes can get fucked up. Even the best guys in the world can make a mistake. Someone can get a concussion. Someone can tweak a shoulder. Like just these little dumb things that could actually really negatively impact a rider. Grabbing someone's chin bar, giving them a little shake is actually not going to hurt anybody. And it probably dissipates that energy to the point where we don't really see it spill Mm. over. So that's the only thing where I'm like, I'm cool with it. And get off, give each other a push, a shove, like, and deal with it, and it'd be done. Dude, I've had times where I've been punched in the mouth. Yeah. Square in the face. And I stood there and went, fuck, <laughs> because I deserved it. I was a, I, I had a specific example with a dude that just literally, I was talking shit, and he elbowed me in the face. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> all right. And I was a kid. Like, I was a young, like, 15, 16-year-old kid. This was like a grown-ass man. And really? I was, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. And I was like, I went to the toilet. I, and my nose was fucking gushing blood. And I'm like, oh, shit. Well, stayed in the toilet in the cubicle <laughs> with tears in my eyes <laughs> until my nose stopped bleeding. Went back out, kept watching the game. But it's like... I. Th- I I thought of that. I was like, that was like a pretty, that was a good learning experience for me. You know, I was yeah. like, talk shit, get hit. And I think you've got this young calf that's coming up and everyone knows like he's going to be the man at some point, you know, it's arguably like he is the man. in a Oh sense. yeah. Already. And it's like, but there's, you don't just get a free pass. Jason Anderson's job is to keep you behind him in the main event of all these, of them are of the Supercross yep. race. You all know? of them. That's literally now his that job. whole thing. If he would have been a lapper, hundred percent oh, agree. Yeah, yeah. Come over there and give him a, give him an earful. Yeah, an earful. Right. Um, he wasn't. He was a current on lead lap. You couldn't pass him. Supercross champion. Yeah, exactly. A <laughs> Supercross champ. He's done this shit before. Exactly. So it's like he. This ain't no scrub that's out there. So yeah, I think it was a good learning experience. I think it couldn't have happened to two better dudes. You know, like and I think that yeah, they both can get over. They're both the type that can get over it. You know. Yeah. And move on. But I'm all I'm all for it. I think it's a good it's a good lesson learned. And and I text Jet after the race and I said, hey, don't let it bum you out too much. It shows a lot of passion. And a lot of love, and that's what I'm seeing from this, is I'm seeing a kid that wants this shit maybe more than anyone. Yeah. And I think that that's cool. Yeah. You know, it's cool to be that guy. Just learn from that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's 20 years old. He's going to make those mistakes. So, and I, I and I think it's good for the, 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 the sport. I like that. Like you said, I like the passion. It's I like all the, anyone's talked about. You know. I left the... I actually, As long, like I said, as long as it's spun in the right way. Yeah. The, it, it is crazy to me how much hate Jed gets already. And it's only going to get worse. It's, I think yeah, I mean, that's something that, that's par for the course. Yeah. But I think it's a strange thing to deal with. Like you have to get used to, especially in this new age, like you, it takes time, at least for me, like I have to deal with it. I never thought I would be in a position in my life where I'd get hate mail. Or just get judged by millions of fucking people. Yeah, you know, like well, you, everybody's everybody's good at that. Oh, I mean, that's the nature of li- living in today's and world. If, 
And if you, but if you like, I film us talking and then I put it out on the internet on a big chat, like everything gets seen, everything gets talked about. And that's a weird thing to deal with. Like there's a whole psychological process of like, did I remember when I put out the Chad Reed episode, I got fucking flamed, bro. Like I, everything was great. For um, what? I, oh, cause I was just a fucking loser like it is what it is like i just people like oh you interrupted people didn't know the format where it's like i think people got offended that i was having a normal person conversation with chad reed and i'm like a 32 year old 30 year old kid talking to one of the best i i think it just offended people rubbed them the wrong way but like psychologically that was a lot to deal with you know five years six years later like it's not as big of a deal but yeah, yeah, yeah it's still a process that people have to go through and it's like understated yeah um i'm sure like i never lived in that i was i mean we're pretty private even even yeah. now right so um yeah i know that i yes that is a full topic um i don't know if i can even because i would in. just weigh in on it right it's like well who I always look at look they're keyboard warriors. Yeah. They don't know they don't know what you're you, you know what we're going through um, day in and day out Monday through Friday versus the weekend. I mean there's you know compartmentalize and yeah. that's the one thing I think that I was really good at is compartmentalizing those things but that's just yeah it's noise. You can read it or you don't why read it anyways. Well, you're I think, not even friends with you know like yeah. friends, buddies, somebody you know. Yes. And it's good. I mean, yeah, go to Vital. It's all on there. I've seen it all, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think you've got to the place where you ultimately get to. Yeah. And I'm also not 20 years old. Yes. And that's what I'm saying. So, is that there being is... at 20, your mentality is way different. You know, yeah. like I could give a fuck about what people say, <laughs> honestly. And that's, you know, I've used that to my advantage now. I think people like, you know, even with the show oh, and Pulp MX yeah. and, you know, all the things that I've done, this one. Um, I'm a pretty real person and I say what, what I believe. Yeah. Um, luckily I'm just not way off in right field yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of times, you know, cause you got those guys. Yeah. It's great to speak with your mind, but dude, you're way off in left field or way off in right field. Yeah. So yeah, but maybe I, I am. I think you've, yeah. And I think that you've got the perspective that you ultimately get to. And I, and I'm the same, like I actually stumbled upon some, but that comes with age and, and just doing it. And yeah seeing what actually matters you know but there there is like a it's a, it's like almost weirdly fun to lean into at times and it's like if you've got people in your circle that do like the drama and do like to lean in it sort of just like rubs off on you in a way and it's like you can you can end up playing that game and like there's people that so chad for example he raced better when people talk shit on him yeah yeah, yeah, I would, I would say yeah. There's the like, underdog, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a thing, Matt Moss. I don't know if you had much to do with him, right, bro? I mean, not a, a little bit, yeah. He would just do fucked up shit, so people would hate him, and then he would then use that motivation, <laughs> the hate, to then like it was like a fuel, yeah. you know. So there is like that's also a thing. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's probably the right way, or maybe it's like not the most sustainable yeah, I was gonna way say, it's to, not sustainable. to do it. So, but yeah, I just, there is a process to go through. And when you're 20 making a fuck ton of money and you've got so many reasons why, 
Like there's, people are going to be able to think of a million reasons to hate Joe Lawrence. He makes too money. He's cocky. He's good looking. He thinks he's a shit. He's Australian. You know, like there's so many things that the fans could, I guess, like find a way to not like him. And you can see it in comment sections and shit yeah. already. And it's like, it's currently as we speak in vogue as a keyboard warrior to not like Jet Lawrence. That's lame. And you guys don't know what you're missing. But that's a, a thing that you have to overcome. And that's the yeah, that is tough, you know. Like fans are tough, you know. Like I don't think maybe I'd had some of this. Yeah, you, you know, dude, you were. Loved. But I was, I, I didn't. I, I guess isolated myself and I didn't pay and, attention to any of that. But you also didn't put yourself out there. And I didn't. And I yes, I was. I was pretty. You know, I stayed between the mayonnaise and the mustard. You know, a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. And um. But yeah, I think that's something that 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 is different, you know, from what we're dealing with today versus what what, what we dealt with. Yeah, and if you again, you want to maximize that potential that you've got, you need to put yourself out there. But as you do, it just comes with a whole level of shit. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, everybody's got something to say. You know, do it this way, do it that way. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. You know, um, it's all. I mean, I don't know. Just, just go racing, man. Yeah. Um, don't worry. I mean, you're always gonna have that. You're gonna have that with our with everything so accessible now and being able to tweet and comment and add this and add that and um, every sport's got it. It's the new. It's the new age. Is the way it is. Yeah. He couldn't have picked a more perfect dude to do it to though. Like just, just dad just got completely dadded. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like Ando has probably got more fines from the AMA than anybody racing currently. Like probably. Maybe more than Vince, which is kind of surprising. But like you, you literally picked the one guy that his brand is not giving a fuck in the most lovable Which I think awesome is kind of good too. Yeah, you know, you yeah. don't want to pick Barsha because he doesn't either give a shit about it. But also I feel like he'll push the he'll push it farther. You know, I think um if you're gonna do it, Jason's probably the 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 best guy to do it do it with between those two you know they're good good they good partnered yeah did you see the did you see ando's thing today yeah i did the, uh, oh i wanted to comment the unfollow uh, <laughs> the, the follow back will be iconic because <laughs> you know at some point jet is going to be on his phone having a shit and the algorithm is just going to feed him one of ando's epic edits and he's just going to be like fuck <laughs> <laughs> like that's going to be maybe the I, I I want that screenshot. I'm sure you'll get it. Oh, I'm be, sure you'll get it. Uh, he need, Ando needs to post it. But I mean, he's a guy like, I think you talk about like maximizing your potential in the sport. He's done that, I think. Like he's won a Supercross championship. He's won a whole lot of races. He's got a unique fan base, a unique image, unique sponsor opportunities. Like I know that he's working on some deals behind the scene that are rad. Like I, th I think, like have to happen in the sport. And when it does, it'll be it'll awesome. be huge. Yeah. But it's like he's a guy that has that perfect balance of like he's maximizing his racing and he's maximizing his off the track brand and personality better than maybe anybody. Yeah, I think he's got a good good little gig for sure. I've I I um when I worked with Ryder for those eight months ish, you know, I got to spend a lot of time there and around him and and um. Yeah, I, th I think he is. Can I, I? I look at just maximizing the racing and also off the track. But I always look at like, can you imagine if he could have stayed in that position of, 
yes, winning the championship, but but then that third through fourth every season. You know, he's he's to me. I feel like he's definitely this year. He needs to get, establish himself as like never outside the top five. Yeah, you know, if not win some races, be in the cha- hunt for the championship. You know, it's starting to slip away already. Um, but be never be outside the top five. Be that guy that is just top five material every single time. And I think that right there with that and his off the tracks in, in his personality, I think would be I mean, I think he'd have stadiums full that would that would that would get behind him and rally when he's second, third, potentially winning, you know, but he's never off the out of the top five. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean he's definitely got that potential. He has like, that. Yeah. He's, last year consistency was, just needs that's his biggest downfall. I think consistent. Last year he just dug a hole. Yeah. Like, I mean it started off it started off shitty at, at right out of A one when he crashed. Yeah. Um Well it was with Malcolm, wasn't it? It was in that same rhythm section, but it was in practice when he like hit that tabletop and just nose floated uh, into that landing and flipped over the bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he just he he got into it with like a couple people and then it was just like bled points at mm-hmm. like four of the first six rounds, call it. And it's yep. like, dude, it'd be hard to rock up to the to the races when you know you're out of the championship and you're not liking your bike and you know like that that would be a very hard mental thing to deal with yeah i think so i mean i think it would i was never in that position but i also (laughs) will say that like flex on them well i I will also say that like you know if you can establish your gut yourself as like never off the podium maybe it's you never win but you're second and third every single time well that's a household name and i think Mm -hmm. You know, like Jason, depending on how much longer he's going to race for, I think that's that should be his. And that would be my goal if I'm if I'm in Jason's shoes. That's my goal: establishing myself as a household name, never being outside the top five, potentially winning two or three races a year, and in doing this for another three or four years. If he's going to do it that long, I don't know how long he's going to do it for. You know, I don't know. But that if that's if that's my that's my thought process. What would he have to change? Do you think? I don't know. I've never you it's know right really there. worked with him. Yeah, he's he got the speed. I mean, there's sometimes that he's the you know. The, quickest guy out on the track um it's just the inconsistency that 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 has hurt him in the in the long run you know yeah um so if he could if he could fix that you know and it's not, like I, I said establish himself as that real household name never out of the top five yeah what what made you want to get back into the sport in the way that you are now because i personally love retired rv <laughs> i love blue crew rv i love day in the dirt rv I love RV in New Zealand in May. Like, what made you have this kind of resurgence in a way? Uh, I mean, I think, so well, I retired. Um, we moved back to where I grew up. Um, we spent basically just at two years, I think, up there. Um, and we decided to move back down south. Um, you know, I had tried some different things from... Weren't you doing construction at one point? Yeah, like when, I was... When we, first, yeah, when yeah, we yeah. first were talking about doing the podcast... <laughs> You text me something like, uh, yeah, I'm working construction, so we'll have to like do it. I'll have to ask my boss for time. You sent me like some funny message. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, no, I, I tried to do quite a bit of stuff afterwards, you know. Um, I had a skiddy. I had some stuff. I was doing some uh, prep and driveways and stuff. It all started with because we, we paved our driveway up north, but I did the prep work for it. And, and the paver that the guy that came that owned the company is like, well, who did you, you know, I told him I'm doing my prep work. I'm not paying you to do it. Cause like, I'll do it. Um, and I'm he's as like, tight as Ricky. Yeah, 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 exactly. And he goes, well, 
who prepped your driveway? I was like, I did. And he goes, Jam, you're pretty good on a skiddy, huh? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, from coming from Moto, you always, that's, you know, one of your supercross, that's one of the main things you use. And um, so he's like, hey, you want to come start prepping driveways with me? So I would go pave and pave, pave driveways with him. And so I did that for like eight months. We also had the coffee shop up north um, in the next town down from us. So I'd kind of done some stuff outside the industry. Um, and ultimately, like, dude, it's hard to reinvent yourself. Mm. Like you really like, you know, and also doing those types of things, it's, there's, there's risk involved. Um, and I think I'm somewhat of a calculated person. Like if I know what I'm doing, um, like for instance, like know this industry, like I'm fully confident in myself. But if I don't know mm. what I'm doing, I'm not really fully confident in myself. You know, like it, it so long story short is I, I, I tried some things we ended up not staying up, you know, in Washington, we ended up moving. And then, you know, all it was, it, I figured that, you know, there's no better time to, you know, and the money to be made and to stay relevant off of what I had built and did in the sport. Why am I just going to let that all just go away? Mm. You know, if I were just to, you know, go away and never come back and, and have all the money in the bank that I have and, you know, great life, everything else. But I'm still, dude, I'm still making, I'm still having a, way more fun than I ever have now currently between, you know, Yamaha's, you know, off-road stuff to the T7, the side-by-side, you know, all the different things that I'm, I'm involved in get to do from Yamaha. Um, and then also title 24. Now it's, it's kind of like, yeah, a little bit of a resurgence, but it's also, there's no easier place to, to make, make the living or make the money that I'm making, but, and also have, and, and know your industry than, than this. Mm. So, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, you know, sure, I'd like to go into real estate and go over and buy this storage unit in Palm Springs that my buddy just sent me for three and a half million bucks. But also, you Actually know... Actually, there's good money in that shit. There is, there is. But <laughs> yeah. also, there's a risk that, yeah. that I don't I don't know that industry. Yeah. Um, you know, there's those things, all those things start running into my head. You know, like, yes, do I want to learn something new? Sure, I would like to, but... Um, takes a lot of fucking work to learn something new and a lot be of good energy. at it and yeah. energy and i'm putting my time into my kids 100 percent of my time is into them um and then i ha- you know I, I i have the fun and the get to do the travel that i want with yamaha and and in other platforms now that in, inside the industry yeah yeah no it's cool it makes sense like i think i mean i i you could see it in some guys where you just almost like don't know who you are without this. And let's be honest, it's not talked about very much, but it's fucking really hard to retire mm. at a young age and then figure out what to do. Like there is, there's still days like, you know, when my kids go to school, what am I going to do today? You know, like <laughs> yeah. I have my garage being finished right now. And, and at that point now, because we're getting kind of more into the racing side of it, like, you know, and I'm not the best mechanic and it takes me a lot more time to kind of pack and unpack and wash and do those things. And I will get somebody to help me with that here soon. Um, but that's kind of what my focus time will go into when they're at school. Um, but like, yeah, it's like, it, it, it is tough. There's a, there's a huge lapse in, mm. in time and, in, and, you know, you don't really have to be anywhere. It's, it's, it, it is a tough spot to be in. And it, you very, very easily can, can get derailed. And it doesn't happen to absolutely everybody. It happens to the ones that have enough in the bank to yeah. be able to really not do anything, yeah. you know, like, you know, maybe do this and do that. Like I, you know, for me, I could literally not do anything, 
but was is also a tough kind of a tough spot to be in. Um, Cause essentially then, all my friends work. Yep. All my friends have real jobs. Um, you're the only one I, you know, like it's used for vac- vacation. For example, like I got uh, um, my cousin up in Washington, she's got four kids and one of them's the same age as ours. And they go up to like, I, th- I think 12. It's like, Hey, let's go on vacation. Well, where I want to stay is probably not where they can stay. And you know, it just, it, it's, it is a little bit complicated. It's a great position. Don't get me mm. wrong. It's an amazing position to be in. But it's also a little tough to be in that position too at 35, you know, and at at 30 and at 28, you know, it's getting easier now that I'm getting older yeah, and my kids are getting more established and more, you know, they're, they're able to do more things and we're having ultimately more fun together. It was, it was, it was tough early days, you know, finding yeah. something to do for the first two years. It was great. It was like, I have no responsibilities and I can just go to, go to the, you know, go hang out with my buddies and go to the bar at three o'clock and have a couple beers and then go home and cook dinner. And, you know, for two years, that was great. But then, you know, it, you know, it's kind of boring too. Yeah. And it's funny. Like, it's cool. You're actually open to talk about this. Like I got friends in other sports that make fucking retarded amounts of money and you can even see where it's like, yeah. Oh, I want to stay here or, oh, I'm going to go meet at a race or whatever. And it's like, where are you staying? Oh, I'm staying here. You know, like there's, you end up on an island. A little bit, yeah. In a a way. And there's like guilt to even want to talk about some of your problems because your problems are so... Little compared to what they're dealing with or... And weird, you know, like... Sometimes. Yeah, to say to a person, you know, like, oh, I'm feeling this. And then someone's like, why the fuck do you feel like that? You don't have to do this. And, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but it's there's it's a different... We're, we're just playing a different game, you know? It's like a problem still a problem. And I think there's like a guilt that is on people. And there's like a... There's, yeah, just like a weirdness around being like that kind of guy. And you see it with a ton of athletes, man. Yeah, I know? think everything, every, every major you know, movie star, athletes, ball, stick and ball sports, whatever. Um, but yeah, so I think that, you know, the retirement is, is a hard thing if you don't have anything to fall back on, um, which like I said, we had kids right away, uh, not right away, but like there was about, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 months where we didn't. And that was kind of like dude, no responsibility. Honeymoon, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was great. My retirement honeymoon, it was great. Um, then we had kids so that, and I'm very involved and always have been. So that's, that's where I've put all most of my time. But just like today, they're in school. If I wasn't here, I'd be, you know, at home, maybe doing some stuff. I got to go pick up some tires, you know, but like, it's like, yeah, go get a desk job to fill your time with or, you know, figure out something to do, which costs money, you know, uh, risk involved. Like, you know, and I hate to say it, you come from a, such a high level of racing and, what your expectations are and how the truck's kept and nice shit. Everything's nice. Everything's new, you know? So that's how you want all your stuff to be. And that's how you want your businesses to be. And how you, if you want to start a business, ah, you know, you have these big ideas. Well, big ideas cost lots of money and lots of risk involved. So it's a risk per reward thing too. You know, like I put myself in this position for a reason because I was smart. So now you didn't want to take the risk long term. And my, um, um, money manager, um, Brian, he's like, he goes, you, he goes, our goal right now is to obviously make you money, but also keep what you have. Yeah. He goes, you risked your life already for, for X amount to make what you have. So, you know, 
you only have so many lives, right? You know, it's like, so let's try to keep this. Also make it, make money and make more, but in, in, in a very calculated way because you risked your life already over here. So let's not risk this. Yeah. You built this nest egg. So let's be smart about how we do it. Yeah. Um, and we've always done work together really well and, and done really well together. So yeah, the retirement, the retirement side was definitely, it's, it's still tough. Yeah. You know, it's still, it's, it's still, it's still tough. It's funny. Like even, and not because I want to go back and race. Cause that's dude, I want no part of it. <laughs> yeah. I want, you know, no yeah, part of you've it. Got, a life is long, bro. Like yeah. you retire at 25, 27 years old. Like, dude, you've got a lot of shit to do. Man, I start, I've literally started playing guitar again. I played guitar my whole life as a kid playing guitar again. So that when I I'm tried old, to learn that, Oh, just keep going. It's, it's way too hard. Black belt's a white belt that never quit, bro. <laughs> do jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like my whole reasoning for starting to play guitar again was because I'm going to be old. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Campfire, I, beers. I just want to be like, okay, so at 50, I'm probably not going to be doing the podcast. Hopefully going to be retired. I want to have some shit, like be good at shit. I like being good at the thing. And that's the that other I thing. Do, Nobody right? wants to be mediocre at something or just be half-assed at it. Like, especially when you come from be, just in, being in, in my position, dude, being the yeah. best at something. You know, I know how much time and effort, money that was spent to be the best at something. Um, you know, and you have to relearn something new to be the best at that, you know? So that's that's one thing that I always struggle with. It's like, fuck, it's going to take a lot of time to learn that. Yeah. You know, which I think maybe is la the laziness in me. Yeah, but you've already done something that's so gnarly. Yeah, but you know? retired at a young age, why not move to something else? I wish I kind of had that. Maybe it will. I, you know, maybe it's just because right now I mentally totally involved with my kids like yeah. i said i'm a more of a one-track mind i'm that this is my goal right now yeah is raising them to be good dudes and then if we're gonna go race then you know that's gonna kind of what we're gonna do and then if that phase phases out later and we don't whatever wherever we end up then i'll maybe pick something up you know and yeah. try to try to learn something hopefully yeah it, it it's like i'm in a weird position too because like i'm essentially retired like in my mind like i don't have to work yeah like I work a lot and I work really fucking hard, but I feel like I work the way a retired person would, who's doing shit would work in a sense. You like yesterday I did fuck all nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but I, I was trying, like I was trying to do stuff I spent. And if I wrote back and some days I literally do, I go in my diary and I write all the things I did because I feel like I'm a fairly high achiever in my own mind. And I'm like, I feel like a piece of shit if I didn't do enough, enough, enough yeah. quote unquote. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if I went back, yes, I did a lot. I did jujitsu. I played guitar for an hour. I exported a bunch of videos. Some shit went viral on Instagram, like worked with, with my boys at work for the five, six hours that we're all on slight. Like it is a lot to do in a day, but for so much of the day, I fought this like internal battle of like being a lazy piece of shit essentially and it's like just not i didn't feel good about myself because i wasn't achieving and i wasn't doing that like that's such a trap to get involved in and i find my biggest challenge in this is to enjoy the moments where i'm not doing something the thing that's like like happy as i can be right now doing this or when i'm at jiu-jitsu or like dude world vets was 
maybe one of the best few weeks of my life was the three weeks, four weeks where I was in California. I had money in my bank account. I had sick ass bikes. I didn't give a fuck what the track fee was. I rode four times a week and my life was spent washing my bike, riding my bike, going on runs and doing the podcast. You know, I was so full and so busy and I was so happy. And it's like you back it down to just a normal life where I, I've got, I got two podcasts this week. So I'll do six hours of my job. All week. You know. Essentially. And then there's all the other bullshit yeah. that you've got. But that's me doing my, the what I see as my job. And it's, that's a very, even in the position I'm in, I love my life. I feel like I couldn't do better than what I'm doing right now. But I'm like borderline depressed when i'm not doing anything you're like what the fuck is wrong well yeah i mean i go there's stages where i'll travel two to three times of uh, a month with you doing different yamaha stuff sometimes most of the time it's only two times a month if, if it is a doubled up month um and i have a blast doing those things and i go from like busy like what is it it's, it's like i have a busy time and it's I don't know, maybe June through September, right? And those are really busy. So I'll go from going zero to then a hundred, and then like I'm like, fuck, I'm bored. What's there to do? Like, Jake, you need to move back down here so we can start going to the gym together at nine o'clock. And I got some buddies that go to the gym, but it's like at five in the morning. Like I ain't getting up at five in the morning to do that. Like I'm, I'm retired. I'm fucking retired. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not getting up at that. You know. So and I'm all the type of person that needs somebody to do it with. You know. So, but I like, I'll go from doing nothing to all of a sudden being, you know, really busy. And then I'll be like, God, man, I'm, I'm busy. I'm now. I need yeah. to chill. <laughs> you yeah. know, and it, it's this cycle, you know, and it just comes, it's, it's just, it's where, it's where our series is within where I live inside of that. Yeah. Super busy time when we're racing and then off seasons, like absolutely nothing where these guys obviously are training and riding. So it's coming from that super busy lifestyle to then also absolutely stopping. Mm. But busy in other 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 aspects, like the kids keep me busy, practice here, practice there. But it's all obviously close around town and around home. Um, I I always I almost say it's way harder now. It's way harder now than it was w when racing. Yeah. And if you would ask me that when racing, I'd have been like, Nah, it's gonna be way easier. It's gonna be like you know. Well, that's um, what they say. An idle mind is the devil's pl playground. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's way harder now. You know, I think than because everything was was I had a routine mm. Monday through Friday knew exactly what I was doing and then racing coming back everything was laid out and you know? and you have everything was done everything was made food was made you know your your ass was wiped you know pretty yeah. much everything was done for you yeah yeah and and you have a very clear like a day like yesterday for me I'd have to go back and write down all the shit I did to feel good about it I'd, I'd be like ah oh, actually yeah I did do a lot Man, when you're training and you get up at, do your bike ride, do your motos, do your gym, you beat, you can sleep because you're physically you're tired, fucked, yeah. <laughs> you know, like lay up some nights because like I'm just not tired. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're just thinking and oh, I got to do this. I'm going to, I haven't done that. I could have done this today. I could have sent that email. I should have. And it's like, that doesn't happen when you've just sent it all day and then you know tomorrow it's the same shit. There's people there. You're paying a trainer 300 grand a year to keep you accountable. It's just a very, very different life. But mm -hmm. it's, at least for me, the challenge is in those moments to just go, bro, chill. Like, you, life is good. 
and you you made your life this way exactly now enjoy yeah it. and then enjoy enjoy the slow time you know like you know it, I, I think that's one thing that we don't we're always looking for the next thing human that's human nature in general though for that's sure. just not it's just not me it's not you it's it's you know it's just humans in general oh well and obviously it makes it even worse with with you know oh look where this guy's at look what he's riding look at this track or look you know look he's on vacation over here you know instagram does that you know it makes you look at things and it's so subliminal from a you know yeah and it, it you know like oh fuck i wish i was doing that or this and that and it's like well you know try to live in the now and enjoy you know what you have and that's why i think i'm 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 actually okay i do pretty well i should say at at idol like we're on a pretty big lot now over here that, you know, it takes a fair amount of yard work and we'll go out and do, you know, uh, that stuff or wash bikes or, you know, whatever. So I'm pretty, you know, I do stay fairly busy in that, but there's obviously other things I'd like to do. Um, but I, I, for me, I, my current life is just really involved, you know, being at home with the kids Yeah, because I can. Yeah. So when you first started, like, what was your take on money from a young age? Like you've been super smart with money. You've set yourself up to where you don't have to work now and you're not going to have to. But you were a kid that, like, did you see it coming? Like, did you know from an early age that you were going to make, like if you did things right and if things went that way, was it like an early stage where you were like prepared for it or you had to kind of catch it while it, like in real time as it came, if that makes sense. I don't know. I think... Because <clears throat> you didn't come from money. No. My dad, um, we had enough, you know, and we had enough to go racing and um, to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't come from money. Um, you know, for me, I always, even today, like, <clears throat> it's good to be, you know, I look at money as like, is there's not that there's always more to be made, but we have enough and until like I'm okay with where we're at, I guess is, is what mm. I'm trying to say. Like, um, yeah, sure. I, I'd like to make more, but, but I also want to be, um, I don't want to lose what I've made too. You know, I think for me, I always came up, my dad always basically was always said, you can retire off of this, you know? So money was always, you know, um, my dad never said, Hey, you, you know, you can be the, best at this sport it wasn't like from a passion standpoint and and it was i should say it wasn't it was but it was always it was always portrayed off of like you know like you could retire off of this mm. you know like if you're the best it was like a know, means to an end kind of yeah, yeah it was like yeah. this could be your job he looked at it as more of like a job like this could be your job not framing houses you could be a racer and make your money and retire mm. not frame houses or be an electrician or or be a plumber um, which, you know, that's what he, you know, we, we built house or he built houses. That's what, so that's what my, you know, if it fallback plan, that's what, what it would have been was to go back and build houses. Um, so it was always like a, you can retire off of this, this is your job. And that's how I, you know, that's, so that's how I, that's how I treated that's it. That's how you approached it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's the best way, you know, like, and it's, I try to, and I'm, I'm not super vocal about it, but like, I try to, you know, I try not to do that. Or say that specific thing for to my kids, you know, like, hey, you can retire off this, this. But I also say this could be your job. You can be an athlete. Mm. You know, you could be the best in the world at 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 your craft of of racing and make lots of money and be that guy up there, you know, and try to, um, you know, give them that excitement of like, you know, 
dude, I want to be that guy. Cause yeah. I was never like, dude, I want to be MC. I want to, I want to stand on top of that podium. Like, sure. It was like, but I, in the end it was, you know, or like when I getting close to turning pro or like, I'm going to, you know, potentially be that guy. But that also wasn't like that Deegan, that Andrew Tate thing that you see that, you know, like that he's like, I'm going to be, that was never me. Yeah. Yeah. It was just way more of just professional, like doing, doing it. Your to, job. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at it as a job, you know, and that's why now at 35, I look back and you can, you see the characters that are coming out, the AP, the jet, the, the, the Anderson, you know, um, you know, you see these, the, you know, who they're, the character they're playing a little bit. I want to call I call it character, but that's yeah, but where, it's true. And, and so to add to that is like, because you were a character to me. So if you don't make your own character, you're going to be the character that people make you. So exactly. I think that's, I don't know why I just thought of that then, but it's like, because when I was a kid and when I was watching you, you were a character in the sense of like, just always angry, always fired up, always a savage and would just send it. So like, that was your character, you know? And Dunge was thanking God on the podium and he was the nicest guy in the world and he was the most consistent and he was Mr. Wheaties box. And James was the freak of all freaks that would do things that other people, you know, so everybody and mm -hmm. en ends up with a character Yep. and it's like, dude, take the reins, you know, like you can control the, the narrative. And, and in a lot of ways, like that's how I see my position in the sport. And that's, what I've kind of taken on is like, I would like to be a guy that allows that to happen or like can help, not allows, that's the wrong way to say, mm -hmm. but like helps facilitate. Like if I can ask a question at the press conference or in the podcast where it's like, I want to give you a layup to frame this, how you want this to be yep. framed. I don't, I, the fucking story is great. Like whatever you say to me, if you're a cat person, well, yeah, sick, we're gonna write sick, it. bro. Like cats are fucking dope. And it's like they now I think are understanding the power of like creating that character for yourself. Like who do you want to be? Deegan's the Gucci hype beast kid. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> dope, bro. You know, and that can also change, you know, like that's him currently. AP's and now he's like going to change, you know, like once he gets up 450, more mature, older, like that's gonna he'll still have some trait of that, you know, or a lot of it, 50%, but it will, it'll get more professional. It'll, it'll get, it'll get, um, the, the knife will get a little sharper, you know? Yeah. And so when you did start making big money, did you ever go through periods of like fucking that up <laughs> or did you always have the financial guy always no, no. played it smart? <clears throat> I, yeah, pretty, pretty, um, yep. Yeah, I would say played it, played it smart my entire career. Um, yeah, we, we put a plan in place basically of, of what we thought, you know, where we wanted to be at the end, you know, a, 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 you know, a number. Um, and let's try to get as close to, you know, let's set a goal, right? We set a goal and then, uh, you know, I raced. And, and even for instance, like I bought a dozer for the, for, for the property in Florida for the farm. Um, my base salary was, I think, 2-2, two, two, you know, so I could have just went out and bought the dozer. But I, I, I would do just play little games with myself. Well, I, if I, yes, I'm buying a dozer regardless. Yeah. But I'm gonna buy it on Monday if I win on Saturday. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, that's I'm going to make 200 grand probably all in with bonuses and whatever else. I'm going to spend, you know, 60,000, 80,000, 100,000 on a dozer, whatever it was. I told Jason Baker, just find me a good one. Find me one that's not going to break down. You know, this is this is what I want. Newer, AC cab, you know, heater, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. you know, the, you know, a nice, nice used one, bitch and used one. I think it was like 70 grand. I went out and won. Okay. So then, all right, let's, 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 let's buy one. You know, like I didn't, I just didn't buy it. Yeah, I could have done it. Yeah. That was a little game that I, I would play with myself, you know? Yeah. I bet you never went through the phase of just like balling out on shit out of control. No, it just, no. I mean, I had a nice wakeboard boat, you know, $100,000 wakeboard boat. We always had nice cars. I always had new car, you know, new truck or whatever. Um, um, you know, as for like cars, cars, like we had Range Rovers, a couple of those, but those were always her car, yeah. you know, like... Yeah, it was a hundred thousand, you know, hundred and sixty thousand dollar car, um, but it, you know, we only have one, you know, and I have my my truck, my F one fifty or whatever I had at the time. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, you can only drive one one at one time, and fuck, we're never home anyways. You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I'm driving to the track in Groveland to home. What you know, I didn't need a yeah, sure. Would I should I have bought maybe more of that? Should I have splurged more to maybe that would have helped me also maintain my career? You know, like. Mm. you know like because you get reaping to the that, benefits you get of closer to the number reaping the benefits of, yeah. of the, what you're making you know fuck i should looking back i should have flown first class every single fucking race you 100 percent should have flown um, first class but every i was race. like you know we, we had three of us we flew myself Kristen, and and and, and eldon so you know we looked at like our and i think the travel budget is still the same but it's like 1500 dollars travel budget well um you know, if I would have flew all of us first class, it goes from being like eight two thousand dollars for the weekend in flights, or eight fifteen hundred, to thirty three thousand thirty five hundred. You know, per weekend. So every yeah. single weekend, you know, I'm saving two grand. You know, and I didn't I, that necessarily. I didn't have to think about that. My wife did all of that. She mm. did all 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 the business, all the bills, all of that. You know, it's like so she booked flights, she booked all that. So when she's booking flights. I, you know yeah you just go with the flow go with the flow yeah yeah um that's the last thing i i don't i i'm not a micromanager at all so when it comes to that it's just like yeah yeah we're going to india okay yeah, yeah. i don't even know when she books them yeah you know so but i think that you know fly that would have been a thing fuck first class every time um should i have bought maybe a you know a car of some sort you know like made that a, a a goal at the end of the year if I win a championship I'm buying a, I'm buying a car mm. you know um, maybe those things I don't know yeah because I mean there's there's like two arguments to be made for it in a sense like uh, you look at jet for example it's like a, I don't think that those things should be like a factor in like a, a goal like I feel like you could probably want to win a championship without attaching a car at the end of it but there would be like if you look at your retirement age right so you have this number and it's i actually think that that's a very underrated thing for somebody to have in their mind i never ever had that until i had a, a meeting with my accountant like three years ago and he basically said that if i want to retire in australia and live x life i need to bring him eight million dollars and i was like hmm okay yeah like I ne i'd never gives you a goal literally never in i mean i'd never even made money before that so it was there was a different that was playing a different game but i was like fuck i actually could do this like mm. 
Uh, that's something. And I'd never thought about it. I would never thought about retirement. Never had any of those thoughts run through my head. So first of all, I think that's like a really great goal to have. Yes, I agree. But you would have just been getting so close to that goal so quickly with the way that you're winning. And there's probably like that number probably influenced your retirement. For sure. More than if I knew it, if if that number would never get close to that number when I got close to that number, you I would have I would have had to keep racing. So my, menta- my mentality Royce. wouldn't have changed. Yes. You know, like it did start to change because I was, you know, potentially getting close to that number. Or yes, I was getting burnt out, numbers close. We made the number. We're we're, we're mission we're, accomplished. We're, yeah, we're done. We're burnt out. Like this was the goal. I reached all the I, you know, there's nowhere else to go other than down. Mm. Um you know, that's one way of thinking of it. Um, yeah, I, you know, we'd said it. If you, what would have happened if I wouldn't have won two and three or, you know, whatever. Even you know, just one of those. You know, that would have potentially changed the trajectory. Uh, but also, I needed to do a way better job at having fun. Like I, and that's just me. Like I wouldn't, like I, there's a big part of me that's also like, use Kenny as an example, like jealous of, in a way, good jealousy of like I it's amazing mm. to see that he's able to still be as competitive as he is by also number one not racing the full series you know supercross or race the full series supercross but you know picking and choosing outdoors rounds going to Australia to race those you know he's he's making a boatload of money off of that stuff so I really you know that's that's really cool to see you know like Ricky James or uh, MC you know supercross only no outdoors but he was off the bike pretty much like yeah you rode but like it wasn't like he was chasing these money races around yeah. there, there there wasn't those races either Bercy there's a couple you know when the, the right before Supercross that were always around back then US Open was a, you know a race but it's not like it is now yeah um, you know so I think that that it's really cool to be able to see that he can still go out on Sunday and it's like fuck we're putting the boat in and we're gonna be out on the boat all day yeah. my thought process was dude I just got I just flew in you know I'm tired. I left it. I flew out at 7 a.m. So I got up at five. I just want to sit at home on the couch and and like just recover for my week, um, or you know coming up week. You know where he really utilizes you know and tries to have fun and and you know it's like He's makes a, a point yeah, makes a point of doing those. And I think that that's something that I needed to do a lot better is just try to have more fun, mm. live in that moment of 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 you know being the best in the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that'd be a tough decision to make. Like I know for me personally, my I probably for like the first thirty years of my life didn't achieve the things I should have achieved because I did prioritize fun, like weight. What I basically my whole life was okay. I just want to live this way. Like I want to live. I want to do these things and have this it wasn't like fun but it was just more i just didn't want to be like confined to doing the same shit the standard every day. Oh, thing yeah. that everybody does and it took me a very very long time to like figure out how to like match up that lifestyle but may, maybe that's just like an internal personal clock that you've got because like dude have you asked my mom like her the stress i've caused her in, in her in her life because i've just i'm like no i'm not doing all that, like I'll work this hard for this long, but then I need to go mm. ride or I need, like that's what it was for me when I was a kid was just riding. 
It was yep. just I needed to ride. I had X and maybe it was just like personal like frustration, anxiety, what that I needed to like get out. Get out. But and I think maybe Kenny's like that, you know, to where it's just there's an internal clock that he ticks to, or it's like, you know, the beat of his own drum and it's like when i need to put the tools down and go and do the thing that i want to do i have to this is non-negotiable this isn't strategic yeah i fucking have to do and this. i do believe there's people like that that just that just need to like unplug completely. and there's probably a spectrum you know but i think unplugging too is also why kenny has only as many race wins in his championships as he has because kenny has the potential to have w and had or has the potential to have way more, but also not being not being able to be focused for that long. Mm. You know, I mean, there's only a few of us that I mean, four in a row, um, MC with seven. You know, like to be able to do that, Eli. You know, Dunge. Those are kind of the, you know, James two. You know, but but really, I think, you know, you really get up into the into the. In, Fours threes and fours or fours and over and, and over yeah those are those are numbers that are you know i mean shit there's only two of us that have four in a row myself and mc that went four actually in a row out of all of supercross 50 years it's right it shouldn't even be possible like yeah, with well. all of the variables with all of the things that can go wrong with the yeah bikes riders injuries weather it shouldn't be possible and that's why it's so prestigious to win that's why that's why you know, like we did the show, and we had some we had some haters on there talking about. I can't believe Feld runs these fucking races in in the rain. You know, it looks just it looks so crappy. Well, it's like first of all, you don't even have you don't know the logistics of it. You don't know what the you know bringing in the TV compound, getting in that all set up, bringing in the dirt, setting all that. Hey, let's just hold it off. Hey, uh, Anaheim, can you hold it off for two days for us, please? And we'll race on Monday night. You know, it's like you know that's that many more hotels for. I mean, just your 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 dude. There's, there's no still putting dirt out of san francisco yeah there's at the race there's just weekend. it's not an opportunity there's that's not how it works you know you can't hold it off and also this is what makes this industry and series so freaking hard to win and that you know and you know that leads me on to like that's why we should um you know i always look at europe right i always look at mxgp when they win a world champion it's world championship they you can tell they won a world championship. And that's that's what I, I feel like we lack here is is everybody, you know, like how how hard it is to win. Like, dude, they should literally burn the city down. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know, in not so many words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it should be an all-out riot for the team that wins, you know, the further manufacturer plus plus the rider. Yeah. No, dude, so true. Like, Prado's bike burning to the ground in Europe. It, my, my perfect example, right? <laughs> One of the coolest wildest things that i think i've ever seen and then you get like dude but the, one of the problems is like mathis will just shit all over it and like you know you get people that would just like just yeah but the, we need the to the change fun, their the thinking police. we need to change their thinking though right like yeah. we need to change like even mathis like like you know and look i, I don't like the burnouts massive, on the bikes like, i get massive arguments with steve you know, political argument arguments or this argument or that argument. Like I, I'm up for it. I start most of them, anyways. I start all of them with Steve, <laughs> so I like that. But like, yes, it's changing the way he thinks too. Like really getting him to, you know, not understand because he's been around it forever. He's a mechanic. Like he's very versed in this industry, but changing the way we all think of how tough, how gnarly, how prestigious it is to win. It's like the Tour de France. It is our Tour de France. It is our Dakar. 
It is our Baja 1000. It is the Super Bowl, mm. you know? Yeah, and it's 17 times a year. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's so gnarly every single time. Like I actually thought, again, because my wife, this is her first time going to races. Like, she's come to every race. And, it like, watching her see it for the first time and, like, kind of, like, watching it through her eyes, I'm just explaining, like, the most fundamental shit, you know. But even that's like her thing is like it's so crazy that they can race in this shit it's like and she goes i've seen them in a normal track and then to watch how hard it is to race like san fran i think san diego was probably gnarlier like because you could do the jumps you could send it like san fran you couldn't really do no it, it was survival yeah. it was just making it around the track but they raced san diego yes it was a racetrack hard and ap was unbelievable but like just to see guys that are so good. And one of her questions was, how much better are these guys than you? And I laughed. Like the only response is to, and like well, I, I'm I, an above average dirt bike rider. Take me and put me out on San Diego right now, currently. You know, <laughs> X four times Supercross champ, you know, three outdoors champion, like, you know, all uh, everything that I have. and The baby goat. I can yeah, I can still go out on a on an average track that and blow everybody's pretty much every local pro or whatever doors off. You know they're like fuck. There's RV. Look at him. He's sick. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't jump the triples. Like it, like if you put me out there, I would literally be a fish out of water. That's how tough it is. Like I want no part of going out there. To yeah. be honest, yeah. no part. It was well, like I'm just gonna stop that. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, and I think when you, like, that perspective, just to even have that question be, like, asked, <laughs> like, how good are you compared to these people? And it's just, like, it's not the same thing. Like, I can't even call myself a rider in comparison. It's so gnarly yeah, no. what these guys are doing. And I have no illusions otherwise. The level is so insanely high. Like that that triple is a that jumping that triple is a great example. Like and doubling that triple. It's almost even harder. <laughs> gnarl, like gnarly, dude. Just to be on that racetrack in those conditions and the guys just Yeah, I mean look at those guys ability it, to do it. Yeah. And like we take the whoops jumping something's kinda easy. But like going through the whoops, like the way they were with the ruts and how slippery they were and the bases of them, you get off of that three foot line. <clears throat> um, it's just like that soupy, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, well, it's like Sa- slop almost. Sam for, or, uh, uh, San Diego was really sticky, I heard, yeah. you know, but also really slippery, like Play Doh. Um, so you get off into that stuff, like, but you got to ride a line, also going as fast as you can. You know, and uh, not crashing, not going off the track, not hitting the plywood, not hitting the hay bales next to somebody. I know one of the, I think it was, we were watching, watching the broadcast, like it might have been, it was 450 class, but man, they were, they all, both of them were in, in the, in the same line in the whoops, basically one run apart, but like, you know, front wheel up by the guy's foot peg. And then that's how close, you know, just like for me to ride through that. Yeah, sure. I can ride through it, but I'm going to do like five miles an hour. 
probably, you know, like I'm not doing what those guys do. And that's, and I was one of those guys at one time. Yeah. You were the best at that. Yeah. Did you see Jet hit the whoops first lap yeah. of the heat race? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. dude. That was something else. Yeah. There's a reason he only did it once too, I think. Yeah. That, I mean, he did it perfect though. Bro. Yeah. Right into the lead. I could not. And uh, who did he pass to do it? Eli Tomac. There was like five guys, three guys he passed, two, two or three. The best. Yeah. Just, I, that was like un, unbelievable. Like super human shit to just have, like, I, I think it, it's like commitment, you know. Just, oh, I think there was a lot. I mean, it's commitment, it's skill, it's talent. I think that there was a little bit of luck in, involved in that. You know, I think he, whatever he did coming off of that left-hander over those, that double, triple yeah, to thing. to carry that momentum. To carry the momentum. Also, I think he, like, he happened to, I'm, like, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, like, get, really break it down. Like, his, I think his tires were clean. Like, every mm. knobby was clean. It wasn't, didn't, you know, it could bite every whoop because he tried it again. It didn't work out for him, you know? Like, you know, he tried it a couple times, not as fast as he did, but, like, it, it ultimately ended up going away from him. Um but yeah, it's 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 gnarly what they can do. Yeah, yeah, no, and I I wonder too. Like I've been on the back of a uh, not a MotoGP bike, like a su a super bike with Jack Miller, and you can experience it. And like I'll always that will be burned in my brain for my entire life. And I've been in a V8 supercar with Shane Van Gisbergen, and, and, and like we can't. There's no equivalent of that in our sport, and we as but as a rider, I can go and buy a KTM 450 or a YZ 450 and I can experience it for myself. But no, yeah. I can't. I mean, no, like I no. can't in the, in, <laughs> the basics like, I, of it. I can, but I can't like the, the, what you see out of it when you go buy and pick up a bike and go and ride is, is you automatically say, I don't know how they go that fast. I don't know how they can lean on that far of the tire. I don't know how they go through those bumps that fast. I don't know how their arms aren't blown up. Um, from an average perspective, it's like, you know, yeah, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be one minute slower around Ed, Redbud, two minutes slower. You know, if you're taking you know, like some, yeah, if you can even make it around the track. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Like, and World Vets this year was a cool experience to ride Glen Helen like really rough. I mean, I'd it would be different rough to a national. Yeah, I know. How, yeah, it's way different. But it was crazy. And just like the speed that I could carry around that place when it was like rough, like on just a Thursday rough. And you, a Thursday you come off and everyone's like, oh, the track's sick. It's getting kind of rough back there. That to World Vets was just not even no. comparable. And the speed that you guys, like, dude, there's some videos of you at Glen Helen, lights bike, number one plate, just fucking ripping so hard and the track is so rough like that to me is uncomprehensible yeah I, weege said it i'll use weege again he said it again it's it's you know and i think you can train that visual eye and reflex and all of that but you know and i i don't think you can pull somebody off the couch at 20 and train it no. to ride a dirt bike you know you gotta, you gotta start my kid's age um you know and you, it's but it's just like moto gp um you know, car racing, you know, being able to, to read everything at 200 miles an hour as MotoGP or, you know, read the ruts, the ever-changing tracks that we, that we ride and at the speed that, that these, that they ride at, um, you know, not, it's not made, not everybody can do it. 
Mm. Not, you know, and it's, it's, it's something that we train, but you also have to have something, you know, like that's a little bit different, I think too. Yeah. What, where do you put the speed now? Like, do you think it goes levels above what I think your era is pretty close? Like, it, I think not it that much time has kind of passed. Like, I think bikes are very similar too, still. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that's the big d- factor too is yes, it's been almost 10 years um, since I raced, uh, but also bikes are still very similar. We were still fuel injected. Really, nothing's changed um, other than electric start. Mm. You know, so I think that's what's also, but no, I don't think speeds are, are way different. Yeah. Um, I think things that variables that do change speed that make them look faster is, is, is if they're changing the tracks to be higher speed and they are higher speed, they are going faster than we went maybe on this particular track, like Ironman, for example. Yeah. Yeah. That like 90 mile straight or whatever. Iron, Ironman is, is, uh, you know, it's an unbelievably fast track, I think. But you go to, and then go to Hangtown there's, you know, it's really not that fast. You know, um, so I think certain tracks are are faster and what and what make it look faster. But I don't think if you take a supercross track here and a supercross track there, like I think we had bigger whoops most mm. of the time. Um, you know, so that would obviously look slower on tape, um, or be slower if we had bigger whoops. So Yeah, and I guess like you can see in the lap times and stuff too, like you go in this stadium, there's only it's, Yeah, you're still fifties, fifty three, fifty five, yeah, you know, one minute depending on if you have a tunnel or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, go back to even James, like jumping the wall. Like, I don't think we have a guy out there today that would, I mean, Jet might jump the wall. Jet would probably maybe do it, but yeah. like. That's one thing I'm interested to see with Jet. Like, press day at A1. Did you see him do that? It was like essentially a Oh, fly. yes, 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 I did. Like, he grew easy, yeah. dude. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, yeah, he did it super easy. Um, also, to where the, where the single was placed, in the landing single was placed, it was placed like five feet from the turn, you know? So, and I know they pushed that out closer to the turn. Um, so ultimately they made the, the jump bigger, number one, which is why he didn't jump it again. But also he had so much more braking room with the single back that far. So if he did go sh- long or however so the speed he was taking, yeah, there was, jump, more, margin there was more margin for yeah. error. You could stop sooner, you know, you get on the brakes harder, but if you're landing in the turn, so yeah, I, I don't, I mean, James jumped quads, I've jumped quads. It really hasn't changed. I don't think that much. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you did retire, how long did it take you to want to ride again? I don't think I swung a leg over bike for like two years. Dude, that's wild. Mm-hmm. And then I went straight to, and then I went to Ozex open. Pretty much. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What, what was that on a Yamaha? Cowie or a Cowie? I was on a Cowie. Fuck, how was that? It was a, uh, it was fun. Like it, what it, it uh, came back pretty quick. I was, you know, out of obviously out of weight, uh, overweight, out of shape, you know. Um, but I almost podiumed. I think on night three, maybe Brayton got me with like maybe a couple laps to go. Um, that's a very unique track. It's kind of like U.S. Open. This yeah, it's very simple. The, yeah. It's very easy. It's perfect retired guys track, you know. Um, but no, it was it was gnarly, like to be back in the mix, you know. So, uh, I'm thinking, like, okay, so 300 grand is about what it would take to get Ryan Villapoto yep. off the couch for two years to to race a Supergirl. Yeah, it was fun. It, it um, it was fun. Uh, I. You know, it was. I don't. I wouldn't do it now. Did it? Did it like reignite something for you? Do you think? No, no, not on the especially not, not racing. Not on the racing riding. side. Um, no, not really. To be, uh, like, track stuff is still is 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 what it is. Like, um, 
and and to be honest, I look at the riding side like more of the adventure side, meaning um like our like the trip that if we you know New Zealand going down Ben the, you know going down to see Ben and doing the the, the off road side of it single track on on like WRs or going T seven like the riding part's more of a byproduct of I'm trying to go and now ex- experience. just experience like yeah. the the trip in a different country and and that side of it and I'm using this as a platform to to get me there yeah you know so. Um, yes, I, I like the riding part, but I, I mean, I would prefer to ride like trails or, you know, things like that. Yeah. You know, like go see things, to, you know, see pretty stuff that you're out. It's just not riding around a track laps. Yeah. I think that's one thing I think is going to really change in the next, like, because if you think about our generation, right, like we're the same age and I now want that. Like the funnest things I do, uh, like the... The race that the Gypsy Five Hundred that we're yeah. doing in Mesquite, yeah, it's like eight hours. You have your mates and you're all sharing bikes. You just get a transponder. It starts at seven. You don't have to look at what time your gate goes out. You don't have to pack your gate. You don't. It's like it's just none of the shit that comes with like doing a motocross race. You're with your boys. You don't know who wins. You don't really care who wins. It's like, and then you're driving there. You're getting an Airbnb together. You're cooking good food. You haven't been like. It's all the auxiliary stuff that makes it fun. Mm-hmm. And then we do this ride every couple of years. We'll ride from Cairns to the tip of Australia. And it's like 2,000 Ks up and then 2,000 Ks back. And you know, I did it on a, a KTM 300. <laughs> you chuck some steg pegs on the thing. Yeah. And you just, you're either in single track or you're just fifth gear wedged on dirt roads, just skid, just sliding everywhere. And you camp, so we have like, I think we had like six vehicles this time come, but they got all the food, all the piss, like everything to cook. And every night it just going point to point and you're just slowly making your way up. You'll camp at a river, you'll camp at a yeah, hostel. See, that's, like, that's sick. And dude, the, A, it's... The, you really get a chance to like get in the zone when you're riding and get in the flow. Like, you know, you think it, one of my best mates, he was like going through a divorce and he was like, Oh, I don't know whether I'll go. Like I'm fucking got this and the kids, um, it's just too much, you know? And, and we we're like, bro, you have to come like, this will be the best thing for you. And he spent two weeks with the boys. We we're chatting it through it the whole time. It's like, re- you know, real shit. Yeah. And then you just, he was just on the bike for two weeks just thinking about stuff in his head and he's like bro best thing i could have done i can't believe that i wasn't you know maybe gonna gonna go go on that trip but there's so much to it and i think now we're our generation like we grew up as like the races and Mm. going to the races and watching right and i'm never gonna not do that but there's so much juice in those adventure rides and in you know taking a t7 and a sleeping bag like that's one thing i want to do in the summer here i want to get a t7 and i'm gonna like just build i'm only going to take what i can put what you need on the bike and i'm just going to go to like washington idaho montana and just live off the back of a bike and like those things it's hardcore bro i love that shit though it's hardcore that's where i don't know that's where that's where you find out that's where you find out but mm-hmm. like that that trip to New Zealand, you know, it's like you just go and you ride all the bikes and just the the pubs you stop at, the locals that you meet, like that's kind of more what it's about than the ride now itself. Now it is. Now right? it is. 
the experience, who you're around, you know, like it's to the point now, you know, it's like, fuck, I don't need, I, I don't, I already have enough friends I can't keep up with. So I don't need any more that, you know, I, in, in relationships and, and experiences too, that we can place around, around, you know, that, you know, because ultimately life's so busy. If you don't have, if I don't have Yamaha pulling me out, you know, I don't want to say pulling me out, but it's like, Hey, we're going, we have a trip to Colorado for the T7. Like oh, I'm going to be there for four or five days, you know, with, with media and, and, uh, you know, so that's, you know, that's a lot of fun. If, if, if Yamaha's not asking me or pulling me out to do those things, what takes priority? Obviously my kids, home life, things like that. So it's good for, it's, I really, my position now is, it's, it's really awesome where I'm at. Like I'm stoked to be able to have all the time that I do have at home, but also have the outlet to be able to go out and ride. How did the Yamaha deal come about? Um, so I was, so I retired. Um, we moved to Washington for, I think it was, like I said, it was about two years. Um, I just, and then we moved back to California, like, uh, right, you know, right after the two year mark. Um, and I had a deal with Cowie as like the ambassador, um, deal with them, I guess basically what MC is kind of doing for them now. Um, but r- the year basically 14, I think it was 14, 13 or 14, they had ended up hiring MC also. So as I was on my way out, we had, so essentially we had two of us doing the same job. Yeah. And, yeah. and this, is, this is, never talked to anybody about this. This is just, this is how me reading between the lines. So they had two of us doing the same, same job essentially. Um, and when I decided to make the jump and go to Europe, um, obviously it wasn't, you know, there was, it wasn't really, there was some bad blood inside of that, you know, like, Hey, I'm peace out on, on my team that I've been with th- for three years. I'm going somewhere else. Um, so that, you know, obviously there were some hard feelings there. Um, and my deal basically got slashed when it came up to renew after the two years that we had done, it was, it got slashed to like relatively nothing. So I'm like, okay, well in my eyes, it was more, uh, you made me an offer based on, so I couldn't go out and say, Hey, Cowie just dropped me. Yeah. You know, like, Hey, here's your offer. But you know, we really don't. Yeah. I'd like you not to sign it, you know, type thing. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of how I... Here's an offer that you don't want to take. Exactly. Yeah. So at the number that it was, I'm like, you know what? It's been a great run. <laughs> I feel like that's really, really low. Um, let me go see what else is out there. So I I declined it before even having Yamaha. Um, so we so we split ways after that. Because it was kind of like you were just... If you didn't get another deal, like whatever. It, yeah, if I didn't get another deal, I'll... F- Mitch will give me a bike. It will be a Cowie, but it'll it'll be a Pro Circuit Cowie, right? Yeah. So that's that was my thought process. But um, we were down down south, moved moved all back in down here, and and um, I actually was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna call. I was like, I'm gonna what, what about Yamaha? So I ended up getting Keith's number, McCarty's number, um, from from somebody in the industry, and and called Keith, and I'm like, hey, I'd like to come in and meet with with you or your marketing guys or who you know whoever the whoever the guys are that I need to talk to about doing an ambassador deal I said the kids are you know mm. um, about to start riding PWs it could be a good deal you know for both um surprisingly Keith called me back and says yeah hey they they want to talk to you so basically Keith facilitated the meeting and he was in on the meeting too um didn't really have to do much with him but he was the one that put the whole thing together so um, so I went in there and I said, "Look, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll. Um, this is this is my idea. This is, I'm local California now. I'm I moved back down here, so I'll be accessible for whatever you guys need. Also, the kids are starting to ride. Let's kind of build this thing. So they were like, you know what? 
they went back, talked about it, and then they were they were keen on the deal. So we ended up doing it, doing a deal, um, and then it wasn't long after that, maybe twelve months ish. So we really didn't get in the swing of things because we were just new to new yeah, to each other, new yeah. relationship. Yeah. You know, also it wasn't with the race team; it was with marketing. So I was, you know, I've always been around race team people, never really the marketing people, other than photo shoots and things like that. So different people to learn. Just different way of thinking, different working. Different language. Yeah, different yeah. language, essentially, yeah. right? So, so yes, we did some stuff for the first 12-ish months, I think it was. I think I have the timeline right, but then COVID. So, literally, we were. then it was obviously two years of nothing. So, I went through like three years of not really knowing, your knowing place my the, place yeah. or where it was or how it was, you know, and, and how long is this going to go for, not, what are we going to do, you know, like it was really nothing. Um and then the last basically two to three years, whatever, you know, we've really kind of like really caught our stride, yeah. myself and Mike Ulrich. Um, and then we also have Damon as another athlete side yeah, that kind of does, yeah. he does uh, more of the T7 side also with, with fly racing and, and, and Western power sports. So he's, he's very involved also to, you know, so like Loretta's, it's us, we share a camper. So basically we have, I, I've got it to now into position where it's like, me and Mike have a good relationship. We understand each other. You know, he knows just fucking call me up. Hey, we need you here. We need to do this, do this, come here, do that. Hey, you know, so it's, it's a really good, I'm really stoked with, with where it's at. Yeah, you know, um, it's, 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 it, uh, yeah. Like I couldn't ask for a, like a better relationship with, with you, the guys at Yamaha and Yamaha. Yeah. It was, uh, it's, it's cool. Like, Jer- Jeremy Malott said something to me when mm. Chad was retiring. And because uh, it's funny, I said this and he was like, I was never talking to KTM. But for what I heard different that like it was him or Cooper Webb, they m- might not have ever got to Chad. But at one point in time, like that's what they were. Um, that was the conversation. And Jeremy said, it's a lot easier to keep a Chad Reed than make a new one. Mm. And it's all... <laughs> It's a lot easier to keep a Ryan Villapoto than make a new one. Yeah. And I think that it's so rad that you're in the position because how many times do you see guys just leave the sport and they're gone for good? And they there's no I also think different era too, different time, you know, like there mm, wasn't in the nineties and the two thousands, yeah. there wasn't really there wasn't ambassadors, there wasn't there wasn't social platforms where we needed content. Yes. to be driven right yep. so yep. when you retired you basically went that was your you went to die right like you done now yeah put out the pasture <laughs> yeah put out to the pasture yeah. right other than if you got into being okay running a team as a team manager um yeah or announcing yeah you know if you were getting into that position but really there wasn't a whole lot of avenues um if you were a top guy and had, you know, had followers, luckily I was able to just kind of like, I caught the Instagram yeah. wave as it started p- pretty much, um, and worked, you know, and over my course of my career built up to, you know, like, a, but between Facebook and that there's 2.3 million followers, um, which I don't do a lot with. Um, I, you know, I do put, I do put content out. I'm doing a lot more now with title 24. Yeah. Um, and the, and my Yamaha stuff now that we're, we're in this good groove, but um, yeah, there really wasn't that platform before, you know, and that's where I think I've kind of r- realized that, you know, yeah, I can go and take my kids racing, and if, but if I don't stay engaged over here, like that's stupid on my part because there's 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 a there's a bit of income out there that that number one you can still stay relevant with, 
Um, you still get to go ride, still get to do the, the fun trips. Like that's that, like I said, that's what my whole gig is now is taking fun trips and going yeah. to nice hotels or going to nice resorts and riding T7s or going to the RMAX. Like we did a Grand Junction. We flew into Colorado and we did one whole day with T7s through this bitch and terrain. And then we did a whole nother day on side-by-sides, you know, like what more could you really ask for? Yeah, no, it's super cool. And there was, it's been very interesting to watch Yamaha over the last few years. It's like they've almost gone into, I guess, like a new, I guess like a new era in their marketing and the way that they kind of approach things. And I think KTM almost like forced the hand of a lot of people in a way, like the Japanese manufacturers were just so copy paste, copy paste, like very conservative. 99, 90, They're yeah. just conservative, you yeah. know. They take the conservative route, you know. But I think KTM kind of forced people to think a little bit differently, and I think that Yamaha just hit like this awesome sweet spot of the bikes being really good, having a lot of different stuff, and getting it. You know, like we did our deal with Yamaha this year and like come when I got back to America I was like I specifically want to do this with these people and I had like a whole plan in my head of like this is what I would like to achieve because they like kind of get it you know and the bikes are really good as well so it's like it's a it's an awesome time and you know we spoke about a little bit before the show but I just feel like there's so much more shit that should and could be done, you know, like, especially if you look at four wheels, Mm. you know, like the amount of content and like high level content, big budget content that is out there and does move the needle for brands. Like it just doesn't exist in the same way in moto or adventure, like sort of off-road. And it's like, I just came here with that in mind of like we're fucking i'm gonna try and make some of this stuff happen because it's so cool what you know what you're doing like the stuff that we kind of get to do Mm -hmm. and it's just sweet that those guys actually see the value in it now you know yeah and i think the cool thing is too is is they're also not trying to um like for me i think one of the one of the things um is is they let me be who i want to be too you know that's in um maybe it's me getting older and that's kind of what I was talking about moving to a new team at, at 25 you know you're established you're you know you call your own you shots know you're, you, you're, you know who you are type thing it's kind of the same thing now is I feel like you know um, they have you know the content or that with myself and using utilizing me but also I think the fans also like my raw take on on things and and the way I take the put the spin on spin on this or what I see in this interview or what I see about on the track um, and I've, I, I like that. I don't, you know, no, everybody wants it to be organic. Nobody wants something to be, you know, f- spoon fed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's a cool balance that you guys have with title 24 as well. Like mm. the sport just needs more of that. You know, like if you, if you look at the NBA or if you look at the NFL or the UFC, it's like, there's a million different podcasts. There's all legit dudes that are putting them out. There's so much content. Like, there's a I just think there's like a tipping point that a sport gets to like dude I, I this is my full-time job like this is what I do I provide for my wife and I out of this completely I'm fucking nobody <laughs> you know, like so 
for I think that's the sign of like a really healthy sport. And when a guy like you and Ricky can make a bit of extra cash for an hour and whatever on a Monday or whatever it is that you guys do and that, you know, these guys can all like there's enough money for people to make content that then keeps our fans engaged and you're not switching channels. You're not looking for, you're not like going to other places mm -hmm. to with, with your like time and attention. And then that builds, it's so underrated what that builds in a sport. Like even again, my wife, like this San Diego was the first time she ever remotely gave a fuck, <laughs> you know, she kind of knew some of the writers. She knew the format. She knew the drama you know, like she, she was pumped on seeing Jet's girlfriend and, you know, so it's like you sort of, you thicken out the sport to where it's like, now it's way more bearable for me to be like, I'm going to put, I'm going to rewatch the main that we already watched, you know, it's just, and it's all those little things that I, it's like building blocks mm -hmm. that end up taking a sport to to that next level you know and then the fact that you kind of like get to do it with your own opinion and you kind of just get to be yourself and then people celebrate the fact that you just get to be yourself like that's actually a massive win you know i think so yeah no it's 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 but it's all it was also learning for me you know i had to learn how to to, to kind of play this part or to be be in this position to to stop and have fun with just you know going out in in uh the slower i guess the slower pace of life type thing you know not not traveling not winning races, like, you know, and figuring out how to enjoy it from a different angle was mm. also that I had to figure out too, you know? Um, and yeah, being able to just, uh, you know, I, I do enjoy it. You know, I, I, I really do. Um, it's like I said, really, it's a good partnership that we've, that we've created, you know? Yeah. And I think it's cool. Like you and Ricky are very similar. I we think, are. Like if just to hanging out with you two guys, like, similar sense of humor similar like approach on things both gingers <laughs> don't feel pain that's right <laughs> but i think that's like a pretty good relationship too yeah no it's it's good like with title 24 having you know i i always I, you know i'd tell him this and i tell this people it's like you know being that ricky's broadcaster he's got to be a bit more buttoned he's gotta up. be a little more he's buttoned be up in a right? box now. yeah we got a little you know just that's 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 just the way it is, right? So, and then I think having and then having my my little more, you know, um, unencumbered, yeah, you know, off the cuff, and uh, you know, I th it's really good partnership that you know brings the two together, you know, especially with Title Twenty Four. So, what made you move back to California? People people love to shit on California. Yeah, I I've mean, been here look, since August. Yeah, fuck, it's unreal. <laughs> like it comes with some bullshit, but god damn, it's well. Yeah, it's but you're unreal. also you're also not from here, right? True. So you're coming to the promised land, mm. you know. So um, yeah, it's it, it it is the place to be. Um, I will say that it's 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 not in a good, very good position for for riding. Mm. Um, I think it's a it's a it's going to be obsolete in my opinion, probably in five years pretty much done you might have an odd tracks you know two or three but we went from having tons of tracks right um to only having basically four right now mm. so um it's not looking good in that in that side of it but yeah i think my wife's from down down south down here um in uh, southern california so uh i always said like and i'm from obviously up by seattle i always said I'm, you know if you're west coast you're you, you don't really move past texas at least yeah. for me um at the time that's what that but now with with everything going on in the world like 
sure, I would love to have a place where I could take the kids and, and ride and potentially we will. If we go racing, we'll move out. I don't know, but it's a good, it's where the industry was. That's where I've only ever lived here, right? Seattle or outside Seattle in California. And then I, you know, I was in and out of Florida. I also yeah. lived. So those three places, but I've spent half my life in California. So that's just kind of where it was, you know, come back to basically home from 15 to, you know, my whole, you know, till now I've spent a lot of time in California. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was here from like 10 to 20, like end of 2010 to like basically 2018. So I spent like my twenties here basically, and then went away for five years and then coming back. All I heard was people shitting on California the whole time as well. And I think from a political standpoint, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was going <laughs> to say like, granted there actually is like, a, there is some fucked up stuff going on. Like even here, like we're in a nice place and there's a yeah. lot of homeless people that oh, are just yeah. chilling. Yeah. But I mean, if that gets cleaned up, but like as far as the state goes, like what's on offer, the the industry, the scenery, the cities that are here, like dude, it is an it's, insane place in the world. And I've yeah. been a lot of places. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not many places that yeah, you get the beach, Big Bear, and then if you want to even go farther, you got you have um you have Mammoth, all the off road riding. You get out into the desert. I mean, that's something that I think um, there's not. I mean, yeah, there's, it's, it's strong, but like, as for riding in California for, for closed course, we have an issue, but desert stuff, we obviously have tons of BLM land and, and places to ride, um, you know, out in the desert. Yeah. So that's, what's really cool about it too. Yeah. Well, mate, I think we're done. All right. We would have done three hours. We're, yeah. We'd be getting close. I'm going to let you get back to retired life. Yeah. Going back, counting all your money. And <laughs> <laughs> it's that's been, right. it's been unreal, dude. I've uh, finally we got we got to do it, but um, very appreciative of you giving yeah. up your time coming on a rival podcast. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, so we're we're looking at doing a trip in May down to New Zealand. Hopefully, uh, yeah, ride all of the Yamahas basically. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it, if that is, with BT, I, you know, I've never really had the time to sit down with Ben and like you know even reminisce or talk oh seven, you know, like certain things you know so um you know especially uh, w w with a cooler of beer around us you know like really get down to just the you know a couple boys and and you know there's zero filter on yeah. on any one of us so i'm looking forward to that obviously seeing the countryside and the riding um it's always a place he's been trying to get me down there since i basically met him you know like once he found out i was in hunting fishing and and then obviously teammates for for those years and uh, knew who I was as a person. He's yeah. like, dude, you, you got to get down to New Zealand and check it out. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I purposely didn't talk much about 07. So if, if there's anyone listening that like wanted us to talk about that, we're going to talk about that in May with the boys together. Cause it should be really good. That was one that made me love motocross so much. Like I obviously already did, but that year, and the like the great outdoors video that came from it and yep. like dude it that was maybe one of the best championships of all time and like the rivalry the respect that you guys had for each other like th everything about that was like even the fact that you're on the same team you know that to me is like the best 
version of motocross or like the best representation mm-hmm. of motocross that the sport has ever had. I was, it, yeah. I mean, we'll get into detail of that once, once we do the, got to get Ben on or get us down to get us down there and we'll get all three of us on. But no, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, definitely some of the best times of my career. Yeah. No, I can't wait for it. All right, mate. We'll let all you get right. out of here, but uh, thanks so much and no I'll worries. see you at Anaheim. No worries. We'll be there.